Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. Also along for the ride today, we have Sean Shute, Tom Kennett and Jack Harper, who should be with us in the next five to ten minutes. Biggest podcast of the season so far, and he can't get his tea ready on time. Keenan, what do we have to put up with? We're our working professionals. We certainly are professionals. Um, You've got the ragtag. Yeah, I do say professionals as I hear someone rustling, which uh, bad timing uh, could be one of those weeks. But after the echoes uh, that went around Monday's podcast, maybe this will be a refreshing change-up. Anyway, this is a big one. The match we'll be getting into today is 1990s Goodfellas versus 2006's Kiddlehood. How is everyone doing today? Excited. Uh, not too bad. <clears throat> yeah, good. Sound it sure. Nice and enthusiastic. <laughs> we'll start with we'll start with Goodfellas. Um I'll be honest from the jump here, it's probably if the podcast two and a half hours, it's probably gonna be two hours twenty Goodfellas. If it's three hours, which I I mean it won't be, but it could be. Um it's gonna be two hours forty five Goodfellas. It's gonna be one of those episodes, uh I can tell you now, there isn't one bit of trivia for Kiddlehood I could find, and I really did search. So I've gone the other way, and we've stacked out for Goodfellas. The most prep for a pod I've probably been since Back to the Future, and I've uh, learned my lessons there and uh, switched up the structure, so hopefully it was more <laughs> entertaining than that podcast was. Anyway, Goodfellas, the story of Henry Hill and his life in the mob, covering his relationship with his wife Karen Hill, and his mob partners Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito in the Italian-American crime syndicate. Sean, I will ask you the same question I always ask you. Critics' reviews, how do you think they're going to take this? Great cricket. Great cricket? Great critic critic reviews, I think. I spoke with Keenan a bit on last week's podcast about this because I didn't want to bring any negativity to this one. any negative review you can find about Goodfellas is essentially by um, a Brit. It's like there was a gap in the market and they were trying to do like shock value critic reviews early doors. Um, I think I said last week there was one complaining about a lack of attention to detail. And if you're going to go out with kind of a clickbaity thing, even before clickbait was a thing, you at least need to make it so it's not so blatantly obvious you're doing that. <laughs> Something like Skip Bayless had that like nailed down to a T because he really said it with every ounce of his being. Something like that. When you complain about a lack of attention to detail, when there's stories about the cast being so wound up because takes are being delayed by 20 minutes while Scorsese tries to get someone's tie correct. Some of these people are just clowns. But anyway, I've got some uh, more standard critics reviews than there. Well, I've just explained there. Goodfellas feels to me like the movie Scorsese was put on this earth to make. And he made it accordingly. I've never seen a movie with such swagger. When you watch it, you feel like you're getting away with something. The dialogue is as wonderful as it is profane. The performances are as down-to-earth and familiar as they are superlative achievements in screen acting. 
the movie is so densely textured you can almost smell the gravy cooking on the stove in the kitchen. These in good. Goodfellas, yeah, in Goodfellas, Scorsese, that connoisseur of mean streets and brutish, um, brutish, reflexive rage, has fashioned a stunning film that belongs on the same lonely top shelf as Coppola's Mafia Side. Finally, in Goodfellas, director Martin Scorsese does something simple and audacious. He takes the guilt out of organised crime. So there you go, really setting the uh, the stall for this uh, before we even get into it. When when you look back, this wasn't really tipped as being, I mean, anything close to what it does go on to be, of course. Um, it came out around quite a busy time in the cinema. When I tell you, this was showing in cinemas around the same time as Night of the Living Dead, King of New York, which we'll do later on uh, in this season, State of Grace with uh, Sean Penn and Gary Oldman, uh, Miller's Crossing with the Coen brothers, um, Mark for Death, the latest Steven Seagal flick of the time, and Fantasia, the big Disney release. So it's not like today when you get a film, it's hyped to the max, as every Scorsese film is now, and every other studio is steering as far clear from that film as they possibly can because it's just no point competing. This kind of just snuck in alongside everything else. Yeah, it's not quite like now where you've got more like Venom 2 at the cinema and nothing else. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different. Yeah. That doesn't have me half as excited as it should have when if I'd heard about it several years ago. Keenan, um, we, did, we didn't quite get your solo podcast here, but I will start off by asking you the first question. Um, is this Scorsese's best work? Yeah, yeah, easily, easily, easily. I think so. What do you think? What do you think competes? Um, it's better than Raging Bull. It's better than Mean Streets. Better than the documentaries. Yeah, I just, uh, I just think you'd say easily. I prefer Casino to this. Yeah, each other's fucking shit. I've, I've never said that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Casino twice. That is one that truly is uh, a very long film. This. One this is reasons. this is my favorite. This is my favorite film of all time, and it's like not even it's not even a composition. There is nothing. I, I, I actually enjoy watching this film more than I enjoy watching any other. <coughs> the Irishman shits on this film, doesn't it? Fuck off, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> kick, him, kick him. <laughs> if you try to wind me up tonight, I will actually attend <laughs> Chowton. I will attend Chowton next Saturday solely just to do this. <laughs> I think my favourite thing about this podcast is it doesn't give you, actually, in Sean's case, it, it does give you the opportunity. Keenan, in our case, it doesn't give you the opportunity to kind of put off watching a film. So when we get to that week, we're going to have to find the time to sit down and watch The Godfather. We're going to have to sit down and watch Casino and make the time that you probably wouldn't for a three-hour film, perhaps in the middle of the week before. And so... Mm. When it really does make you sit down and watch these, you get to re- relive Goodfellas. We're going to get to relive Casino, and uh, I guess I've only ever this seen Casino once. You you've know. not you you only have seen it once, or you've never seen it once. No, no, I've I've seen it once. Um, yeah, I uh, I think I found the time to watch it on a working from home day back in the day. So uh, working from home, okay. Yeah, <laughs> my, that... my mum coming home, so you're not supposed to be working. <laughs> now I left it. This leave you to it. <laughs> Honestly, that you managed to get away with that racket for so long. Please. 
He had uh, a good run. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, probably helps how I now uh, believe working from home really shouldn't be a thing. I'm, I need to unionise and uh, take down the WFH wagon. <laughs> these go. chances like shoot getting away with uh, things for so long. Um, so, yeah, the, the way I've kind of structured this episode rather than the usual critics' reviews, trivia, talking points, categories, is we're essentially going to squeeze in to a car together here and we're going to take a journey through the film. The trivia is going to blend in. We'll talk about the scenes as we go through. Obviously not the entire two-hour 30 film, but almost like our deadline day pod. I've got enough things to keep everyone getting in and we're going to make sure we don't leave any any stone unturned. I said to Keenan last night when we were speaking about this, Anytime we do a film that I've particularly been excited for, the minute we get off a podcast, I think, oh, I can't believe we didn't speak about that particular thing. Hopefully, when we press stop recording tonight, there will be no stone left unturned. Um, to go right back to where this started, Scorsese supposedly first got wind of Nicholas Pelleggi's book, Wise Guy, which I think you've read, if I'm not mistaken, Keenan. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, pretty good. So... He first got wind of the book um, when he was handed, I think, an excerpt from it on the set for another film. Um, Scorsese, at this point, has sworn off making another gangster movie. Uh, he said he didn't feel that he could add anything more to the genre to what he'd done already. Um, <laughs> he reads the start of this book. He immediately cold calls the writer, so the legend goes, and says, uh, I've been waiting for this book my entire life. Um Pelleggi calls him back and says, I've been waiting for this phone call my entire life. And thus, Goodfellas is born. Um, hard to believe now. The studio was actually really nervous about this film. Scorsese wasn't the kind of blockbuster merchant that he is now. Just looking at the script, the extreme violence, the language in it. Um, they were very worried about putting this out. And we've spoken before about the early screenings of films. Um, there's the famous one with Sex Drive where it was the highest reviews the studio had had for early screening. They released it into the cinemas and it bombed. Um, this film reportedly received the worst preview response in the studio's history. Um, Scorsese said the numbers were so low it was almost funny. Who were these people? <laughs> they should be hung. It is baffling, um, and I guess more credit to Scorsese at this point, that he essentially has a cinema full of people saying, whatever you've done isn't right, and he has the strength of mind to ignore all that and say, I disagree with you, we're going to carry on with my film. I guess the studio could then let him put it out. What were these people wanted? Yeah, I, I, want, I want names and addresses for it. Honestly, I do. I don't know with these how much they're told before going in. Like, I don't know if they're told essentially like, you're going to go in, you're going to see this Scorsese mob movie, blah, 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 or if they're essentially told, go and see this film, tell us what you think after. Jack, good to have you with us. Good to be here, boys. Sorry for being You've not missed anything of yet. We're kind of setting up the film. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously this, this then is released the way Scorsese wants it to. It receives overwhelming critical acclaim and Scorsese is then cemented as uh, one of America's top filmmakers and continues that way right up until now. The opening scene that 
these people in that screen, that cinema, sat and watched and shook their head at or whatever. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be against it. One of those moments, uh, just go back to you again, Keenan, almost, you don't need to know anything else about the film. You hear that and you're dialed in, like you're fully on board. Yeah. And then, and then Tony Bennett kicks in and then we're away for the greatest, greatest watch of cinema. TK, can you remember when you first watched this? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know, a long time ago. Yeah. Watch, I was I probably mean, younger than I should have been. Did Did you stumble upon it? Did your dad say you, you You've got to watch this? How did you? Uh, no, get I to did. Sit in front of this. I did know it's regarded as an all time great and um, of a genre that I was going to like anyway. And yeah, I, was, I remember one of the first times I watched it, thinking because obviously how good the music is throughout or whatever. I remember thinking this is like one long cutscene. And there's just constant like music throughout. I was thinking it's like he's just cutting away each time, which I guess it kind of is, but it was just uh, how it all flows together in that respect is genius. I, again, I don't I don't want to dwell too much on these people that are obviously testing it, but how you can watch that first scene and then not be hooked from the jump. Yeah, I, I've got no idea. I mean, as far as opening scenes go, off the top of my head, I can't think of one that comes close to that. With with this, I remember my dad recommending it to me. Well, one not really recommended, just saying kind of you have to watch this. I think I just told him I'd seen Scarface, and he said, "Well, if if you like the kind of gangster movies, this is the one you need to watch." And he doesn't recommend me very many films. I remember American Pie; he told me I had to watch, <laughs> um, and Dirty Harry actually, which we're doing next week. And I think that's just because. He did a Clint Eastwood impression that I didn't understand, and he just wanted some uh, backup there. But Sean, if I'm not mistaken, were you a bit older when you saw this for the first time, or have I completely made that story up? No, no, it's right. Yeah, I only watched um, fairly recently. Would have been within the last like three to four years. I think I watched it for the first time. Um, so yeah, you are right. And Jack, I wouldn't have thought you'd dislike this film, but bit shocked by how much you did like it obviously to jump back on the podcast felt like one you clearly felt you you couldn't miss have you do you have a long kind of affiliation with this film been a long time yeah. fan yeah definitely it's, it is one of my i think it's in my top two all-time films and it's and it's probably what it's probably first on that list as well it's just brilliant i've watched it I, we were saying in the group chat beforehand it's one of those iconic you know it's a good film when everyone remembers getting it on DVD and having to flip the disc around halfway through the film. <laughs> like, everyone just remembers that detail because <clears throat> it's just one of those iconic films. It's what every mafia gangster has got, just the right amount of story, just the right amount of action, and just the right amount of people getting whacked. We've, we've Jack's got his second to Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. I, was about, I was about to say this. Um, with Jack and Keenan both saying it's kind of right at the top of their lists, I don't think you could then have a different uh, a different nine underneath in terms of the type of film. I can't imagine like, I can't <laughs> very imagine Lord, of, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars are appearing on any of the rest of Keenan's top ten, unless he's got a change of heart in the last hour. <laughs> no. That would be no, quite something. <laughs> no. No, I'm an eclectic man. This just happens to be my favourite film. 
There we go. Um, so I don't know if you know this. We've just spoken about the opening scene here, and we're going to continue to speak about it. But this wasn't always the plan. Uh, in the original shooting script um, that still featured um, Billy Bats meeting his end, but it was going to open with his kind of welcome home party in the very first scene, followed by the visit to Tommy's mother's house before cutting to Leota narrating as far back as I can remember. And then you get the kind of uh, sequence of Henry Hill as a Brooklyn kid. So you nearly got a bit more before than being in the car to kick the film off. I'm kind of glad that they did it the way round that was actually in the final cut because you see just this growth and it's more of a story, whereas you kind of give away the big, one of the biggest events in the film and then it's all about how life leads up to that big event. And I much prefer it as a kind of just watching this guy's life unfold. There's a build-up to it as well, isn't there? That would have been kind of too soon in a way. Mm. They kind of almost, they reel you in and then you you can kind of get on board with them killing bats. (laughs) In, In terms of it being too soon, TK, Maybe the other way around. Do you think if you have an extra scene or two in there before you hear Henry say, as far back as I can remember, do you think some of the impact is taken off it by the fact it isn't yeah. kind of the opening punch, it's more of a settler? Yeah, absolutely agreed. It's a time to perfection, isn't it? It's only about 90 seconds in that he drops that line. I, th- I think you are right. I think that that line is iconic and probably it's lost a little bit if they've got X amount of action beforehand. And the, the bat scene is obviously iconic as well. I think its placement in the film helps with that. I think happening immediately and the scene at the mother's probably gets lost a little bit, which those are two of the best scenes. One of the few things they actually did amend from this screening is they complained that Bats was stabbed too many times. And so there was a negotiation between Scorsese and the studio and he negotiated, well, they negotiated down from him being stabbed seven times to being stabbed four times. And if you actually play the scene back, you can still hear the sound of the other three stabs <laughs> within the moment, um, just as Scorsese almost saying fuck you to the studio and saying, you don't tell me what to do, despite the fact they are somewhat. He kind of keeps his little bit in there. I don't know what difference those three stabs were making, but <laughs> yeah, clearly that's that, the threshold. that turned it around from being one of the worst rated films ever to being a blockbuster. So it was a good negotiation. I'm sure we'll come on the to studio. How, how, how the fuck he survives as long as he does is fucking incredible. <laughs> the the, stu- the studio also took out, um, they also took out him getting shot in the mouth in the bar. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, the, gun, the, gun, the, gun, the gun hits the floor. Yeah. And you see it hit the floor with, with no, it's because they took, they took that out yeah. originally. They were just going to, they weren't just going to shoot him. I've got no, a little obviously. bit more on that scene. She's pretty mad when you see Tommy's brains get blown up later. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> um, in terms of that opening sequence, I know we usually have the best opening scene here, and we try to limit it down to almost what you could find on YouTube or what the DVD scene selection would find. It's a lot longer than I think perhaps it feels in the moment because you really do go from being an ordinary kid. You, they show the people at the taxi stand goes all the way through. It's a long old sequence before Henry is adult Henry, isn't it? Um, you get the things with his dad, you get well, a lot in there. Sean, um, when you hear a voiceover 
at the start of a film. Is that a worry for you? Because it can sometimes be off-putting. It, it can go horribly wrong. Obviously, they get it right in this one, but <clears throat> no, no, I, 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 I like, I quite like films uh, with a voiceover. I mean, that's classic Scorsese, isn't it? Because if you know. The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, because, you know, they, they all do it, don't they? So, and they're all obviously really, really good films. Uh, so, no, it, it doesn't worry me. I can't think of too many, maybe you can correct me, but I can't think of too many that, that have a voiceover that I've, you know, that disliked or not liked it because of it. I hated it in Legend. In fact, I, I don't like that film really as it is, but whenever someone's narrating from beyond the grave, it's, it's, it's just strange to me. Um, they do it in the new uh, Sopranos film as well. I won't say who it is for anyone that uh, hasn't that, seen all of the Sopranos. But it, I, I felt watching this back, because obviously I haven't recently started watching the Sopranos and then carrying it on at the moment. There's so many people... No spoilers, no spoilers. No, <laughs> I was going to say, there's so many people that are in Goodfellas that are in Sopranos as well. How many do you think there are, Jack? Because I can tell you the number. Nice, okay. Um, well, you've got, you've got Spider... You've got I'm pretty sure Puss is in it. Um, yeah. He's, he's got a cameo at the beginning with the fur coats, and I'm pretty sure I've forgotten what his name is in The Sopranos, but he's the guy who's got grey slicked back hair, like the older, older-looking guy. Paulie Walnuts. Yeah, that's him. I know he's. I'm sure I clocked him, but a younger version. Yeah, yeah. You do at the start. He did a taxi stand, and yeah. he uh, beats up the postman. He, yeah, he's, I was going to say he's better than the other. Um, Give me a guess. What have I got there? I've got, what, four there, haven't I, so far? Yeah. Five have I got there? I, I, I don't know. I think, so we've got Therapist, we've got Pizza, Shredding Guy, we've got Pussy, we've got Spider. Um, I'm going to go Just with, hit. I'll go with five, because I'm sure I'm missing one. Um, you're missing quite a few. There's actually 27 um, <laughs> that are in, that are in uh, Goodfellas and in uh, The Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah, um, some obviously play uh, lesser roles than others, but yeah, there's 27 actors that appear in Goodfellas and then appear in The Sopranos. So That's insane. When when people make comparisons between the two, um, yeah, they're entirely fair. Um, Keenan, in this and particularly in this opening sequence, right towards the end when he has his first appearance in court, has there ever been a film that's romanticize the mob life the mob lifestyle right from the get-go in the way that this does because you immediately do just want to be part of as they describe this thing they have uh probably not but it gives you the juxtaposition of later in the film because usually in this type of scene you almost mm-hmm. feel sorry for the kid because they're being taken advantage of. If you think of any other kind of gangster film where a kid is being used, um, yeah. In this, you, you feel happy for him. You, you, you feel, you're rooting for him. You, you're almost rooting against his dad for the fact that he doesn't want him to be a part of this. You kind of <laughs> come on, leave him to it. Look at the life he's living. I don't know. Bronx Tale does a similar thing. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I was just thinking. I was actually thinking of the question. The Bronx Tale is a very similar. As you said, there doesn't show probably as emphatically the downside to it, does it? Like Goodfellas makes no. a point of showing the downfall, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. 
we'll get into I'm... it a bit more later, but this quite literally is a, a tale of two halves. But for this, yeah. for the first half of this, you just want to be mates with these people. This is this is essentially don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's yeah. literally it. Because I, I was just about to say that the life he's got with Paulie and everything like that, and um, <clears throat> they're not actually doing much wrong. It's just a little bit of fraud here, looking after like protection from other people trying to rip other people off. You think you know what? They're not actually that bad, guys. Yeah, uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> we've got it on tape. We've got Jack doesn't consider these bad yeah, guys until this point. There's a lot of people who get killed in this who probably don't deserve it. Yeah, but, but this is the thing. As soon as drugs get involved, you're then like, oh, okay, this is where it all goes sour. Mm-hmm. The postman gets filled in for literally doing his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> That sounds like a him problem, you know what I mean? That, 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 that's, the risk, <laughs> that's the risk you run when you become a postman. You know a, yeah, to be fair, a notoriously risky business. He should have yeah, known what he was getting it, in for. Exactly. He's gone into that with eyes wide open. Like, he's just, he came out, he's just falling down. He didn't go back. He got the message. He was all right in the end. It, just to sum up how great it supposedly is to be a part of this lifestyle, He's taken a beating from his dad. Obviously, there's more than just him being hit with the belts. He's got a black eye after. And he says that everyone takes a beating every once in a while and pretty much it's worth it to to be a part of what he's got himself into. So that sets the stall pretty well. And then just to show the whole family aspect that you get in almost every kind of mob movie, the end sequence with them all congratulating him coming out of the courthouse and De Niro telling him, you took your first pinch like a man. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. You could learn from that. <laughs> I'm not sure about you, TK. You look like you could stutter under questioning. That's a great bit of foreshadowing they use there. Well, I thought from, from there, we're introduced in the middle of that scene to De Niro for the first time. Um, I think I actually prefer this to the... Uh, gangster quotes at the start. Jimmy was the type of guy who rooted for the bad guy in the movies. Is a great quote in itself, a great way of setting up De Niro. The close-ups of him grinning, slipping the money into people's pockets and just walking around with a grace like he owns the place, which he does. Him, um, said- you, want to, him you want to be mates with. Yeah. Well, and I think the wrong side of Christ. <clears throat> I was about to I say, you know the whole, side, whole of the film is all I think is that a when you when you meet him, he look, just looks just looks cool as fuck. When he's sucking up money and people say you're like, this is a cool fucking man. He looks when when he's at the bar, fagging fagging and whiskey on it. He just look, mate, He just looks mint. It yeah. shows you the power of this film, though. That you said about that quote about the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, a lot of us quite like the bad guy in a film. Yeah. That is, that, there is nothing to that really, and yet it somehow does still hit. Yeah, with with this, what's interesting is supposedly um, De Niro's pretty much given like a like a Do what you Lord want, of the boss. Land here. He's told well, he he's not even given this character. He's basically told like I, I want you in the film, <laughs> and he looks at the character of Henry, decides for himself. We we don't know if Scorsese would have gone along with it in the end, but he decides for himself. He's too old to be playing Henry here, and he looks at the character of Jimmy who, 
for all of what you would read in a script doesn't stand out as much as Tommy was where you're literally like a like a scene stealer Henry that's obviously the main guy and he picks this character that he almost squeezes kind of every bit of juice out of and nails it in such a way that it's funny you say muscles isn't it yeah I mean he knocked out the part and no one else could do this I don't think it's funny you say about the age when he gets introduced to you Jimmy Conway, he couldn't have been more than 28 at the time. And you look at De Niro and you're like, what the? The man is like mid-40s, come on. And then the idea that Joe Pesci is supposed to be the same age as Henry as well. And you're like, this is just insane. I actually had down here the comparisons between the two films, which is more laughable, that or Noel Clark being a six-former when he must be 30 years of age. I was going to say... Byron, do you know, and apologies if this trivia you're going to bring up at a, a later time, but do you know why they couldn't use, or they didn't use real names? Obviously, Henry Hill was a real name, but why so, they changed the names of the other people? Some of them they did, and I think it was just to save lawsuits essentially down the line. If they were named in the Wise Guy book, then I believe they used the correct name. If they changed the name in the book, then I think they even then just changed it again. All right, so, I think essentially if you're dead, then off the table, you, you, you can name them as much as you want. That's not true, because they did it. They, they changed Tommy's name. Well, I'm just telling you what that's... Oh, yeah, that is true, yeah. Yeah, yeah they changed Tommy's name. They also, the, about how much they wanted to get people in the film. Well, some they of the Joe, stories they do got change. Joe Pe- they got Joe Pesci to do it, who, let's be honest, isn't... He's quite a little fella. Tom, mm. Like Tommy D. Simone in real life was like, he was like six, he was like six foot. Just a massive yeah. bloke. You've taken some of my trivia there. Um, you've done a Harper on Monday. Um, <laughs> well, stealing just... through my Newcastle trivia. <laughs> well, was it not correct to the, the situation? It is, it is correct. Um, no, I know that. My, uh, Pesci if anything, he's assisted you. He yeah. has, yeah. Um, just some of the De Niro stories. And Keenan, I think you'll agree, it's quite nice to have some positive De Niro tales after seemingly every bit of trivia we've had about him recently has just been what a nightmare he's been to work with. Um, in this one here, so Henry Hill claims De Niro was phoning him seven to eight times a day to discuss just the most random things about Jimmy's character, such as how he would hold his cigarette. When you look back at the scene where they visit uh, Tommy's mother after they killed Bats and the way that he gets the ketchup out of the bottle. He phoned Henry Hill to say, look, at this time of night, would he have been smacking the top of the bottle? Would he have been rolling it around in his hands? These insane details that even if we wouldn't know the difference between how Henry's character is or how um, Jimmy's character is in this, I don't know if it helps him to know that he's playing it correctly and that adds to his character, but just an insane level of prep. And then when you hear of things last week, Keenan, how he just felt he was bored on set and he he wasn't being given enough work to do, these things then add up if earlier in his career he's going to these lengths just for a character. He spent an extensive amount of time learning to hold a cigarette, like yeah. the real James Burke as well. Like a lot of time, so which is weird. I, I assume, like, I obviously don't know this, but I assume De Niro, just because of his age, he would have smoked at one point yeah. in his life, right? <laughs> Because he also, yeah, yeah seem I, I'm, I'm essentially every film I've ever seen him. He's got, he, he's got a flag in his mouth at some point. <laughs> he wore a cigar in the right way, didn't he? For uh, yeah, uh, Jimmy. Mm. 
there's a story from one of the crew members and they say during the scene where they're in the uh, kind of bar casino um, playing cards, De Niro insisted they use real money for the scene where Jimmy's handing it out because he didn't like the way the fake money felt in his hands. Um, he forced the prop master to go to the bank and withdraw five grand of his own money. Um, and at the I end bet he fucking take, did. Go yeah, on, Bob. Let's no give some of your money. Well, they say at the end of each take, no one was allowed to leave the set until all of the money was counted in return. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy wasn't going to let um, De Niro get one over on him, but just him him claiming he can't get into character because the money doesn't feel right in his hands. If you're De Niro, you probably do get away with that when you're then producing this on the screen. Yeah, you can't be like a second-rate actor going, go on, go, go take five no. grand that boss. <laughs> um, there's so there's so many little things with his character. The scene with um, Mori where he's kind of shaking him down, just seeing him quite literally shaking with rage while he's doing it, and you see in each time when when he's angry and they're kind of uh, filling in bats, it's almost like he's enjoying it more there because I guess it's not his money or, and he's just having a whale of a time kicking him in. And I must have rewound that about nine times over the course of this week just for his face while kicking him. <laughs> but just the little things of his character here, you really do pick something new up each time you watch this film. And I said to Keenan last night, I saw someone else say, don't fully realise how much you enjoy this until you've seen it a second time and you can notice these little kind of tidbits in the background. Mm. In that scene, we also have all the nicknames and we go through them. I mean, we've got Frankie Carbone, we've got Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy, we've got Frankie the Wop, we've got Freddie Nono's, Pete the Killer, Sally Ball's brother. <laughs> Pete Ives. the Killer kills me. <laughs> <laughs> no subtlety at all. <laughs> Nicky Eyes, Mikey Franchese, Jimmy Two Times, uh, Jack's favourite. Uh, Frenchie, Joey Buddha, Johnny Roast Beef, Stax Edwards. Um, <laughs> you'll be funny funny. Funny. There's such a variation of names in that. <laughs> I love the I love the brother ones as well. Like we because we have no Peter Killer Sally football. Ball's brother. <laughs> yeah. Who's Sally Ball? Mo Black's brother, Fat <laughs> <Andy>. <laughs> yeah. So um I did actually insert all of our names into a, a modern nickname generator to see uh, if we were going to oh, wow. go down this route. Um, and as Jack doesn't seem to see many issues with this lifestyle, maybe it's a bit closer than we think. Um, <laughs> I mean, with parts of the name, you can probably work out who they're for. I mean, we'll start with Machine Gun Tommy, not, not a bad one to go for. Um, Keenan, uh, I'm not sure how you'd feel about being called Two Finger Brown. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Jackie the Tits we've got Skids and, and, and Lou Bananas so um, <laughs> Skids I think really could catch on for you Sean you know <laughs> yep two finger, two finger brown two finger brown what was, what was yours again Lou Bananas, and we've got uh, Jackie the Tits as well. So, um, <laughs> those are some phenomenal names. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe um, next podcast, um, that's how I'll intro everyone. Uh, I'm Lou Bananas, joined as a voice by Machine Gun Tommy, Two Finger Brown, Skids, and Jackie the Tits. <laughs> there we go. Um, not quite a. Uh, 
Joey, Johnny Roast Beef, which I think is my favourite name of all of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm with I'm with Harper. Two times is is my favourite. Jack likes it when you're there because he thinks it's Alex. I call Alex, I call Alex AJ two times because when he gets himself into a role on the Monday pod, he just says the point two times. <laughs> because <laughs> when you but imagine being in that situation if you're just there say you're like an associate in family and, and you meet this guy for the first time the first couple you probably think it is really funny but like if you're friends with him but like permanently like at what point does it get too much <laughs> the idea at the wedding of Henry trying to explain the different people is you must know him you must got Pete the killer he <laughs> yeah. got us a lovely gift <laughs> Gutted that Joey Buddha couldn't make it. <laughs> you must know Fat Andy. No black brother. <laughs> Mikey Franchese is a is a real uh, gangster as well, isn't he? Nicky Eyes, uh, real? I feel like I've heard that name. What's that? Nicky Eyes. Is that a real person? Maybe. Frankie the Watt's got to be. Can you say what? Do I need to blank that out? Uh, I mean, you probably can't say it, no. What if I've got, what if I've got some Italian heritage? <laughs> then probably. Yeah, I think I think in that case. I mean, I don't have any, but... Um... No, I didn't think so. It's at this stage you lie. You've got to lie at this stage. <laughs> You're in too deep I'll, Maybe I'll blank it out, or... Um, no, Tyson Fury's been in trouble this week, and he's defended it by... Look, I was singing along to a song. So maybe if I just say I'm quite in Goodfellas... Just, yeah, I think you'll I be fine as long as you don't. Me. As long as you don't start court referring to people in everyday life, I think you'll be. <laughs> no, um, how do you feel about Two Finger Brown, by the way? I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> so, not that first. I, I'm more, more intrigued to know how many times you've put my name into that generator to get that. Because <laughs> that ain't a one and done job. No, no problem. Yeah, I, under, I in my head, you've you found one that was reasonable, and we're like, no, I, I, I ain't it. And I'm, I'm saying in, so I get two finger brown out of it, yeah, Imagine, or something. Um, Keenan um, on a on a night in fever, some girl saying to him, "You want to stay away from him?" Why is that? You don't know. That's two finger brown. <laughs> All right, we we roll from there into the. Um, funny how scene i think when we do uh best scene later i'll be shocked if uh, at least someone hasn't referenced that so much to take away from this this wasn't in the original script um, you may have heard this before so this actually happened to joe pesci um while working in a restaurant he reportedly well apparently told a mobster that he was funny um what he thought was a compliment and was met with a less than enthusiastic response um he explains this anecdote to Scorsese, who then says, you've got to put it in the film. Um, he also didn't include the scene in the script so that Pesci and uh, Ray Liotta's interactions would elicit genuinely surprised reactions from the supporting cast. Liotta's laugh in this is, in, is insane. <laughs> if, that was, if, the, if we did like a Halloween pod next week, and the killer was doing that before he killed people. That that wouldn't be outside of a horror character. <laughs> he he's surely never got his mouth that wide ever again. It's insane. <laughs> if you could turn him inside out. <laughs> I think Tiki, when you think about Goodfellas, 
is this the first scene that comes to mind? I think it is. It's, it's obviously a testament to how good the film is that you could have numerous choices here. But I think that is... The, numerous times I've tried to stop someone to uh, funny how. Someone says you're funny, funny how. Mixed success in terms of how that goes back. <laughs> people, if you're with a group of people who haven't seen this film, it's, yeah, it bombs horribly. Well, I, I've been saying to my brother and uh, both you guys have been on the podcast, a big podcast this week, Killerhood, um, Goodfellas. And my brother said 10 minutes before we started doing this, um, I've never actually seen Goodfellas. Um, so that was a, another conversation. I know my other brother has, he'll be listening to this, but yeah, a horrible thing to hear. Boach hasn't seen it either. So I thought you were going to say they're both going hard in the paint for Kidlehood or something. <laughs> You're going to be firmly in the minority. Well, it started by uh, Boach saying Kidlehood wins that, and I did have to. Oh, win. God. Uh, but he's not seen Goodfellas. So. <laughs> um, Sean. When they're doing this scene in a uh, football factory where uh, he's having it stuck on him. I am glad you've made that link because I thought that as well. I thought that's probably the only time these two films are ever getting linked. Yeah. <laughs> well, do, you, do, you, do you think they must have spoken about that on set before doing it? We're going to do Football Factory as part of the podcast, but yeah, you, you yeah. surely don't get one without the other. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, almost definitely. That must have been. We... Troy's spoken on here before about um, the Queen Vic pub in Brockworth. Um, terrifying place to go um, if you're not from Brockworth. Um, terrifying place to go for me and I am from Brockworth. But every person in there that I spoke to when I was a kid thought they were Tommy from Goodfellas doing the keep a straight face and then occasionally, I got you, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember so the, the game when Spurs had their first win against Arsenal in God knows how long. The 3-2 at the Emirates, which I'm sure Sean will uh, fondly remember from 2-0 down. Yeah, Ian um, Kabul. And I, I was in there in an Arsenal shirt and some bloke came up to me and was saying, you can't wear that in here. Oh, <laughs> he's like, no, honestly, mate, you better get the fuck out of here if you want to keep, if you're going to have that shirt on. As I would say, what age would we have been there? Yeah, about well, 2010. You, no, 2010, you're like 15, well, 14. Well, probably even worse then, because I did feel like maybe he could have stuck it on me if he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad's finding this the funniest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> didn't take my shirt off, you'd be pleased to know, but um, only returned there once since. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Where the same guy tried it again, and I just say, we've done this before, mate. <laughs> The game when uh, John Terry and his head kicked off by Abu Dhabi. Blimey. There we go. It, it, it spawned some copycats. Um, of all of the quotes here, I worry about you, Henry, you might fall under questioning, is the one that gets me more than anything. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, after he does, after he goes wild at the waiter. It's, you want to you wanna know something last week? This week <laughs> asked, me to, asked me to christen his kid. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> 7,000, I challenge you. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Um, uh, and then it's when he comes back and says, do you know who you're supposed to be doing this stuff to? Um, <laughs> and, then he calls you, you, and then he shouts it, and then he says, you really are a funny guy. And he, he launches yeah, um, that. What an intro to Pesci. Mm, yeah. Uh, no, you it's, it's actually... Wait, is this... Is it before or after? No, it is after, because then they go and buy it, and then they blow up the bamboo lounge. Afterwards, um, when he's sat in the car, and he's... I'm not going to say it, but when he says Diana, you know, 
in this day and age, an Italian, an Ital- uh, a Jew brought one guy out with an Italian, that whole bit when he's in the car yeah. makes me raw. I'm asking you to do me a favour. I do you a lot of fucking favours, don't I? I've got some questions about that next to you, Keenan, so uh, okay. keep, that, keep that in your mind. Because I do, yeah. feel, I do feel like I can hear myself saying, I do you a lot of fucking favours, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> the, the end of that scene, I find, is so almost unlike everything else in it where it's so kind of to the bone it's cartoon like where the scene ends with him almost in midair like horizontal mm-hmm. about to jump on <laughs> to jump on top of henry <laughs> but you almost can't believe i'm seeing it each time they do it because it's so ott i know tommy's character is supposed to be like that in this but it's just a surprising way to end it it's a great way to end the scene but i don't know how well it fits with pulling people out of a freezer an hour later. I think that contrast works perfectly with Tommy though, doesn't it? Because he's got those two extreme sides to him where he's obviously, he is a funny guy, but yeah. he's absolutely mental. It can turn at any point. He's kind of, if you've ever been on like out with someone who you like, but you think, I can't be around you for too long because <laughs> you're insane and this is going to go horribly wrong. Something great about this scene as well is, um, when you see slowly everyone at the table smile, slowly leaving their face as they realise, <laughs> yeah. is he sticking it on him? But just seeing it, I guess if you were a director and you had to explain to someone how just because you're not in the scene, you're still important, because every single person there plays a part in really driving home whether or not he is serious about um, yeah, if, if one guy's pissing himself, it doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> well, because they start, don't they, and then gradually... But yeah, they're the all, way, they all know how mental he is. The way he tells a story in this, there's the one where you uh, Jimmy is debating whether or not to whack Maury, and they're around mm. the table, and uh, Tommy's telling another story. You hear uh, that uh, the, uh, the last 20 seconds of it, and you're still completely in on his story. <laughs> him as a storyteller in this, you could sit around and listen to him for hours because he's got the gestures going on, he, he, he's doing everything, he's got the dramatic pauses. I wish we could have had a few more scenes of him just telling some tales. Pow, ping, pow. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And we, I guess we do get a scene of him chatting that you just referenced there, Keenan. Um, dubbed as maybe the most influential scene in the entire film in the way that them chatting while the bar is burning on the inside inspires the Sopranos. They say that's essentially what they pitch the Sopranos as, is a TV show full of these while the mob antics are going on. Um, people say, and I'd be interested to hear from what you think, Keenan, is whether or not he would say so or not, Tarantino must have seen some of these and just decided to almost take it up a notch with his style that he puts in the likes of Pulp Fiction and, and the rest of them. The kind yeah. of an, an ordinary chat in an extraordinary situation. Um, I mean, I imagine somewhere he's admitted to He's admitted to everything else that he's paid homage to. Yeah. So I, you can't imagine that. I mean, the bit where, they, uh, where he shoots him in Pulp Fiction is essentially this. They just happen <laughs> to be driving. They're just having a, an ordinary conversation, like the Royale with cheese and stuff. Yeah. Um, in pulp, in pulp Fiction. Um, there's probably a couple of others, I'm trying to think. Tommy almost begging, 
I'm trying to ban this fucking bride. You want to help me out? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to see if I can get the term broad. I don't think you can in this day and age, Jack. I think you miss your boat, son. Yeah. You certainly need an American accent for it as well. It doesn't work quite as well as an English accent. A very English sentence, actually. I've seen those brads over there. You're going to get some broads tonight. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you've said this, though, Jack, because there's so many bits in this, and I don't think we're alone in this. I imagine 90% of the people have seen it. There's at least one phrase in there you hear and you're like, oh, I need to kind of get this into my vocabulary. <laughs> we, we can add this. I, I was watching the Christmas party scene uh, last night and that's the only scene I don't want us to go too far in on because oh, we're going to cover it as part of our Christmas special. But him asking, why are you getting so excited? What are you getting so excited for? <laughs> Bring that in, you know. Uh, there's, there's a lot, as Jack said. I don't know if, you could, if we could pull that off. Why are you getting excited? <laughs> Paulie, when he just swear, Paulie, when he says, like, I was never nothing to you. I love that. Right in when he gives him... It, I also love the line, $3,200. $3,200 for a lifetime. It wasn't even enough to pay for the coffin. Do you know... Uh, the, the actor there, and I should have taken his name down. Paul, Paul Salvino. Okay, so... He nearly pulled out of this because he didn't feel he was intimidating enough to be the kind of character that he was supposed to be playing. Really Um, softly spoken. Yeah, he received some bad news one morning. It may have been that his mother passed away. Um, He received some horrible news anyway, and he supposedly caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror and was Mm -hmm. like, that's that's the guy I need to be to play this role. And then he comes uh, in... I'm sorry. Sorry, I was only going to say, there's one point in the film where he actually properly slaps Ray Liotta and you can see it. <laughs> it's not the first time he slaps. It's not when he says... It's when they're, t- it's when they're talking about the drugs. Um, yeah, he slaps yeah. him the first time and says, that's a lot of money for a kid like you. Um, and then they come back and he says, look, I don't care what you, had to, don't care what you did, what you were inside, that's where you need. And now you're, at, now you're out here. And he says, I'm not going out like Scout for 20 years for saying hello to some little prick who was going behind his back selling junk. Um, and he hits him once. I think he hits him the second time. You can tell he actually just catches him. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, like, in terms of intimidation, like that's when he looks at his most intimidating really out genuinely flinches. There's like a little yeah. flinch for being acted. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's acting. And then there, oh, shit, he's just whacked me in the face flinch. <laughs> After the um, funny how scene where the owner of the restaurant is having a meeting with Unreal. him. Unreal. And he says, what do you want me to do? He's saying, like, you want me to whack him or something? He says, well, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad idea. And he just stares into his soul. And uh, that's the look he must have caught in the mirror. Where yeah. it's like, that's the guy. Yeah, I don't mean no disrespect, but I, he's got me worried. What am I going to have to do? What are they going to do, find me in the weeds? I actually genuinely think I can quote about 80% of this film by watching it. <laughs> when it's on, I actually think I can do it almost line for line. It must be tough, TK, when at least when you get this role on paper, because for what most of us would deem as a, a mob boss, you're almost going like Spider-Man, like kingpin levels of you need to be big and bold and brash, and that's kind of every stereotype you would have. To play it as essentially a normal bloke, but to still give off the aura of intimidation without actually ever showing it in the film, must be a more complex thing than I guess we could ever imagine. Yeah, for sure. But it does kind of fit in, doesn't it? That he is 
he's fitting in the local neighborhood going about his yeah, daily yeah. life. So he isn't this idea of a, a mobster that we've got in our mind, probably this is probably more accurate in terms of how he'd be. Because you see, he never really, well, he's always well, got that line with people where he seems like he's given them, but there's like uh, Keenan just said with Henry, you know, he's kind of looked after him and yet he'll slap him about and tell him, look, you're not going to get me arrested again. Yeah. The, um, the and then Henry does back. him over horribly in the end. He's the yeah, other one. He's really done it. You've really fucked him. He does fuck him. He's, he, but the other things to say is you think maybe John Gotti, well, post Gotti, we think of the loud in the brush hmm. mobster. But you think in the 50s, the old point was you're not supposed to know we're there. No. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. this, this film starts before the McAdam um, Commission and before the hearing. So, this, like he says, he says before. Crazy before Crazy Joe started a war, so this is before the hearings and stuff where they they got people to admit that the the mafia was real um, on 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 tape. Because before, obviously, the FBI and Hoover and stuff, they just denied it existed. But now there's no no such thing as the Costa Nostra in America. But this so this is was the point. He would have been most of them would have been quiet and unassuming in many different ways. Hmm. If if we could talk a bit more about Pesci, so. As you referenced there, Keenan, uh, previously, um, the real uh, Tommy DeSimone was 90 to 90% accurate other than phys- physically-wise, um, mm. and that was completely off the mark. Um, Joe Pesci says that they were improvising and ad-libbing all the way through rehearsals and shooting, and Scorsese would essentially let them do whatever they wanted, make transcripts of the sessions, took the lines he liked best, put them back into the revised script and that was his way of kind of letting you you play but still ensuring that he could keep things refined very similar to uh, name drop here uh, David Dobkin said the same on Wedding Crashers didn't he that they would they would like to improvise so much that he had to have a way of kind of keeping it refined but still letting these guys run loose mm. Owen Wilson and uh, Joe Pesci was a combo I never knew I wanted until now. <laughs> um, Sean, um, I always ask you these questions. How many times do you think the word fuck is said in Goodfellas? Uh, I'll go for 324. It's gone big. Have you read this? No. It's 321. Oh! oh. An average of 2.04 per minute. And Joe Pesci says approximately 50% of them. (laughs) The script actually called for it to be said 70 times. But as the dialogue was improvised and you've got Liotta, De Niro and Pesci running wild, they tend to stack up. At the time of the release, at the most profanity of any movie in history. Wow. That's so bad. What actually has it? I, I think we have touched on this. But what actually has it now? What's the record now? It was Wolf of Wall Street when Wolf that Wall came Street. out. Oh, yeah. I think it may have briefly been super bad. Um, but it essentially keeps changing. It's something else now, and I can't tell you what it is. Um, Jack, there's a quote from uh, Ray Liotta in this, and he says that uh, De Niro and Joe Pesci were the glitter and he was the glue. 
Do you think that's fair? Do you think he's doing himself a disservice? I think so a little bit because he's brilliant as Henry Hill in this. This might be my favourite movie that he's done. Um, I think he's just he's just perfect. I, I said to Sam when we watched it that he's probably the ugliest, best looking bloke ever. If that makes sense. He is yeah, so yeah. much better looking than the actual Henry Hill. In terms of who does well in this, who doesn't do great, um, Jim, like the real Jimmy Conway, he gets, he gets probably a touch-up when you look at photos of him and then he's De Niro, he's doing all right. Joe Pesci, is, no offence to him, is probably is a downgrade. And yeah, I like the idea of Tommy sat at home thinking, I'm fucking better than that. What's yeah. this little guy here for? Probably not, he was <laughs> dead by this point, mate, so well, I don't think he would like many cares on it. Oh, even Paul, even Paul Vario gets a, gets a, a glow up. Yeah, but there's there's the glow up, there's there's glow ups, and then there's there's what they do for Emrio. Yeah. Yeah. What I, about uh, Leo as Jordan Belfort, as we spoke about the other week? Oh mate, this is way better. Jordan Belfort is yeah. not like <laughs> obviously Leo is better. Leo is better looking than Ray Liotta, granted, but the levels in it, like this is he like looks... them. This is like them getting prime Brad Pitt to play me. <laughs> yeah, your, your I, I like to is, see that. I looked at all of the kind of like what they're doing now in the lives, and they have the photos of mm-hmm. them all. And I looked at it and Most I thought, that doing that much, they? <clears throat> but no, they're all dead now. I think, I think everything yeah. all of them are gone now. Someone, what? So, would you know that left that Tanzheim? Someone recently went on trial for it. There's, there's a new, there's a yeah, that did happen. Yeah, I was going to send you this. There's a book that comes out next week, a new one about it, that's supposed mm. to have more detail than... Yeah, someone um, recently before. went on trial on it because their cousin grasped them up. Disrespectful. <laughs> Fucking hell. They, they fell out. They, they fell out, they fell out <laughs> over... Basically, they fell out over the cousin's son became the skipper and a crew and turned into an arsehole and basically started leaning towards his uncle more and his dad said they had a falling out. So, yeah, when he got Nick, he was like, oh, yeah, do you want to know who did Lufthansa? Yeah, so I never got on that. <laughs> Imagine that being Flopped your leverage him. over someone, like not something like rough that you've sent on WhatsApp, not a dodgy picture <laughs> of you on a Saturday yeah, night yeah. being six million getting in. nicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I saw um, I saw an article the other day that I was because I, I was looking at Matthew stuff after watching it, and it cracked me up. It made me laugh that apparently, like senior heads of the mafia now are complaining they're not bringing new members in because they all the young kids are too addicted to their phones. Yeah, you, <laughs> you heard this on Monday's News of the Week. No, I didn't. Tell him, Keenan, uh, TK and Jack. We had this on News of the Week Monday. They're too busy texting and not busy pistol whipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, I, 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 I missed that, genuinely. I didn't know that and <laughs> yeah. didn't listen to my, didn't listen to, to Monday's oh, podcast. Yeah. I got, I got the name a, wrong. Yeah, there's articles out there. <laughs> it just made me laugh so much. Just the idea of these, like, Head of family, but he's always on TikTok. <laughs> put, the, uh, put the Instagram down, son. <laughs> yeah, well, because that is that one you're referring to, Brian, because the one guy had to hand himself in. So it just said, um, my bosses are complaining that uh, the kids of today are too busy texting and not busy enough pistol uh, whipping. Yeah, yeah. The, but um, when I looked into it, there's the, this boss had to hand himself in because his son put a picture of him chilling in the pool on Instagram when he was on the run from bail. Fuck's sake. Yes, I did. 
Oh, um, <laughs> that's incredible. Did the thing about, um, I mean, there's a slightly thing about things that they complained about. They obviously, obviously, I don't know this because I'm neither Italian nor American or involved in any form of criminal activity, but they were saying oh, that yeah. as... Don't be so modest. <laughs> I'm an upstanding, upstanding citizen. <laughs> I'm too lazy to do anything like that. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, basically, they had, to, they, they had to relax their rules. So, do you know, like, he, he, he explains the fact that they, he can't be made because his, uh, his dad's yeah. Irish. Well, essentially, they started, they just had to relax the rules. I think at this point it's a bit like interna- it's a bit like international allegiances in football. If you've got if like your granddad's Italian, you're all right. <laughs> membership's <laughs> down. We've got to, got to be yeah, still, This is it. Still, Henry or Jimmy wouldn't qualify because they still don't have enough um, of the correct blood in them to uh, be made. It's to do, it's to do with the mum right, rather than the dad. Jimmy wouldn't. Uh, yeah, Irish, obviously, but it's to do with the mum. Yeah, yeah, well, they'll go a bit further yeah. down. You have to have. If, if you don't have the blood in you, you have to at least have an Irish name, um, not an Italian name, sorry. Um, and uh, obviously, neither have that. But it, um, it's the thing he that he does, of... he would have the Italian blood, though. His mum was Italian, is the point. So he would qualify. Right, well, one of them doesn't qualify, at least. Yeah, no, one be, really be the, one, be the one they call the Irishman. But it's like, yeah, so he Jimmy. says right at the beginning, he says, only one see, the reason, it, no, the reason he's, he says, my mum was, when my mum found out that they were from the same part of Sicily, Sicily, Sicily yeah, yeah. As, yeah. Uh, as she was, that was the answer to all her problems. Good check. Um, we've spoken about the uh, male characters here. Lorraine Bracco um, is minting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in terms of a surprise, when her voiceover kicks in, like, what the hell is going on here? I love um, it. To switch it up like that is a, is a bold move. Um, but she, as the only woman co-star in a male-dominated story, says, if I didn't make my work important, it would probably end up on the cutting room floor. Um, Scorsese reportedly, the whole way through filming, tried calming her down, saying how much he loved her character, but she still saw her position as under pressure, and that caused her to raise her level and uh, in the performance that we, we see on screen. I surprise you, Byron. Um, I actually really like the scenes where they talk about each other for the first time. Where she gives her voice over and says she's rude and stuff, and he's like, she had great eyes before she looked like Liz Taylor. And then she pulls up and pulls up in the moment and starts screaming at her. They just think it's brilliant. As a change of pace of the film. It's a change of pace of the film. (laughs) I asked Byron to do a rom com bracket, but he he went about it. (laughs) No, I didn't. We said that we'd only just done comedies, so uh, we'll have a break. But with, um, with that, I think you appreciate it more the second time around because the first time around, it's a bit... You're, you're so enjoying Henry's commentary that you don't really want to be sharing it, I'd, I'd, at least from my perspective. I watched this film genuinely for the first time when I was like seven or eight. Um, so I don't really remember having being <laughs> conscious enough to have that thought process. I actually watched it when my mum and dad went out. kids in the playground. Nah, my mum and dad went out one night and basically I turned it on and we had about five minutes. I can't remember what happened, but something happened. And even at that age, I was like, yes, boy. Here we are. <laughs> um, well, that came in and saw what it was. And was like, yeah, mate, you ain't watching that. <laughs> he, was on, remember, he, was on, he was on Sky Movies. He's like, yeah, no, enough, enough of that. Next week, they went out. Yeah, I remember the name of the film. Next week, they went out again. It was back on Sky Movies because this is when they just, you know, I assume <laughs> they still do it now, but this is when they just were rotating about the same 12 films for yeah. a month. Back on, bang, stuck down, 
snuck upstairs for whoever was in the ice with me, banging that straight on it on the TV upstairs. What remember watching it the whole way through? Yeah. Maybe seven's probably probably I was probably eight or nine. Definitely, it was before I went to Benny's. I know. I only know that because I know what my house looked like at, at that point. Yeah. Um, but it was before before I was the age of eleven. Genuinely, been my favourite film ever since. I don't know what you think about her character TK because she probably has more of an arc than anyone in the film. Like, if you're talking about like your standard film narrative, which this just blows to smithereens, she's one of the few that actually has a change in not personality but morals and beliefs as the film goes on. Yeah, she kind of she nails it as well, doesn't she? In terms of that that progression of the character from this innocent yeah. girl who wouldn't look at a gun like that twice, and then next thing you know, she's hiding a gun for him and stuff like that. And she, her voiceovers do a great job of it's kind of how she's just justifying this to herself each time, and how she gets further mm. and further into it. And obviously, you know, by the end of it, you don't really see her without having a swig of a drink constantly, what? basically to get. She's just banging, she's just she's just banging lines at the end of it. Yeah, his the, his his drug journey was obviously pretty emphatic, and she's oh, yeah. kind of on yeah. on the coattails with him. I've got she it on in, in the background. Fully right in that wave. <laughs> but she nails it when she's not annoying. I think so oh. many characters in this thing where they get really annoying, but she I think still retains that you like mm. her. I think. I've got it on in the background here on mute, and about two hours in, she sat on the worktop with her feet up with a magazine and a cigarette. And that's a complete different person to the woman in the restaurant at the start of the film. You feel like how mad her the coffee. How crazy her mum is about the fact that she's getting with a guy like this the whole oh, time. I've got some bits on this. And now. by the end of it, the mum's, <laughs> the mum's putting up her house to get his bail. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I know. She was thinking, what's happened? If there's one complaint about Lorraine Bracco in this, her crying is so rough. It's so rough. It's offensive to your ears, her crying in this. It's it's enough where you can see why he leaves her behind more than once. Because that's a lot to deal with. When she when when she's in a bad mood, even her you can see where she gets it from with her mum, to be fair. But I mean the crying beats the gun in the face, no? <laughs> yeah. All I've had yeah. in I my think head... I'll take a teary teary girl over a gun yeah. in the face, waking up off this in my head today is you don't know how I feel. <laughs> the, but the one that gets me as well. Also, also, <gasps> she must be. She, I do, sorry, Joe, I was going to say I don't know what age she's supposed to be when they get married. I know she's quite young, but when she's screaming, when she's screaming, Dad, help me! When she's having an argument with her mum, so you childish bitch. Yeah, yeah, grow up. Back up and, and he, he was having none of it. She says, doesn't she? <laughs> they their first date at the Copacabana, which we'll talk about just next. She says something along the lines of, um, I didn't see anything wrong with him having all these connections. I was 21 years old or 23, maybe. He, that um, was him. That was him. That's him. Yeah, he was about that. Yeah. Yeah, but I've, uh, are they not similar ages? Oh, yes. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I've always, I actually don't know. If anything, I would lean towards she's probably a little bit younger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it does sort oh. of make sense. Um. I think, if I was asked the question, I think she does the most with the role that she's given in the script. Who do you think squeezes the most juice out of what they've got on the paper to what we see on the screen? Um, I, I think you're probably right. 
it probably bang on because you know, all these characters, so many gangster movies and so many movies like this, the wife is always the annoying character where they're trying mm. to like drag them back from doing what they're doing. It's like, no, just let them go and kill people. That's what we what's what we And there's so many times where you just end up getting annoyed at the wife or the partner because of it. Whereas she just embraces it. She gives full in. She's, you know, I'll hide the guns. Oh yeah, I don't mind the house being raided by the FBI. Yeah, I'll just go and sit down and watch TV. I'll fucking get in the drug business with you as well. Like you proper proper dive straight in at the deep end there. So you've got to respect her for that. But I think sure. oh, No, I was, I was just gonna say that but what's actually on paper, I think she delivers the most because she's just not the stereotypical annoying wife kind of thing. Sean, was she right to flush the dope down the toilet? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, not really sure what else she could have done in that situation. It's worth $60,000. It? He's got to be hiding it somewhere better than behind the TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, because well, that wall, I don't know if they're, they're not going to be breaking walls, but that wall's retractable. Surely you just fuck off the remote <laughs> that deals with the wall. <laughs> you, two, you two can sort that out at a later date. If you're going to break it down, then so be it. But surely you just bomb the remote, right? Yeah, of all the people in this film, I think I feel the worst for Karen's dad. He's not been able to digest <laughs> a decent meal in six weeks. <laughs> I did, I did think of, I did think of you when that line came out. Well, my issue isn't digesting it; it's probably the speed at which I do. Um, <laughs> she, she has her doubts in this, particularly early on, and then almost in an instant. Um, She's given out that, that, that sloppy top for a wad of cash. She's all in. It's <laughs> <laughs> that lifestyle. Yeah. It's the lifestyle. Couldn't say no. He corrupts her surprisingly easily. <laughs> yeah. But how we get there, Keenan, so the Copacabana scene, uh, we, uh, we spoke about it before, even when not specifically speaking about Goodfellas. Um, mm-hmm. So this shot, basically came about because they couldn't get permission to go in the short way and film that way. So mm-hmm. it forced him to go around the back. Scorsese decides to film the entire sequence in one unbroken shot. Mm-hmm. His words, he says, it symbolises that Henry's entire life was ahead of him. It's his seduction of her, and it's also the lifestyle seducing him. Um, it was shot eight times. Supposedly, the seventh time, they thought they'd nailed it, and one of the guys in the kitchen forgot his lines. And they had to do the whole thing again. Awesome. Um, with what Scorsese says there, in terms of it seducing her and the lifestyle seducing him, do you not think we're almost charmed alongside Karen with this? Yeah, one hundred percent. Popular, here's everyone going along. So not Scorsese, even that. Maybe he's done himself a disservice. You've got then he kissed me playing in the background. Yeah. One of my one of my favourite lines in the film actually, and it's almost a throwaway. But as he walks past, as he walks past a couple kissing, he says, "Every time I come here, you two don't you work." <laughs> <laughs> and I think about that quite a lot, actually. It fucking cracks me up. <laughs> I have heard that probably twenty-five times in my life, and I still laugh every time. Do you think, with her character Keenan, particularly in the first half of the film, she's supposed to be almost our bridge to the outside world because every mm. other character we're seeing is somewhat involved? And she's supposed to give us some sense of normality, or at least just a measuring stick as to how a normal person should react in this situation. Yeah. Um, 
again, it, it, it got, it's probably, it's almost gone by that scene. I mean, it might even be gone. Yeah. <clears throat> it might even be gone before then. She obviously thinks enough of of him, the lifestyle of, or even of herself. Might 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 be doing might be doing the woman a disservice when she pulls up in the motor and is screaming at him like yeah, but she, nobody nobody stands me up. At that point, she's pretty much all in. Like I, she's still playing dumb though, even while they're in Copacabana, whether she yeah. believes it or not. It's like a young kid, like yeah, knowing something isn't real, really, but not wanting to admit it to themselves. Yeah, it's uh, you know, this your hands don't feel like you're in construction. He's like, no, I'm a union. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you... uh, sorry, go. I imagine Sean really enjoying that guy's little stand-up pact that's going on in the background of that scene. Am I right, Sean? Obviously not. Sean's on mute. No, he, hate, so, uh, he hated it. He's gone for a drink. He's gone for I, a piss. Or I was thinking how easy. How easy it must have been to make a comedian. He just does a load of wife and mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> that's, that's your night sorted. <laughs> they're, they're genuinely terrible. Is the jokes are the jokes you hear are take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> take my wife. I, I take her everywhere with me. Uh, she wanted to. Go, she wanted to go. She said she wanted to go somewhere she'd never been. I said try the kitchen. <laughs> just so like yeah, just absolutely dead. Uh, and then he says, I, do- "I can never remember the doctor's name." But I think it's just like do- it's a Jew- it is a Jewish name. So like Doctor Wexler, Doctor Schiller is it? Wonderful doctor. Gave a guy six months to live. Couldn't pay his bill. Gave him another six months to live. <laughs> and then he says, "What a wonderful crowd!" Like, Jay- <laughs> like what? What on earth? It's the humour of every bloke over fifty. I, I imagine his small talk is um, asking someone how long they've been married, and they go, "Oh, more than a life sentence," and then giggling to himself. It's, yeah, Sean, it seems you're back. Did you enjoy that stand-up as much as I thought you would? Would you say? <laughs> Fucking easy. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I'm a free quarter meal. I only just, I only just got back. This <laughs> I went for, a, I went for a piss. Oh, at least you didn't take us, <laughs> right, take well, us with you this time. We'll, we'll move on, Sean. Um, we don't have to ask you any more of that. Um, on to, on to my favourite scene of the film. My favourite, including my favourite shot of the film Karen is crying once again um, Henry checks she's okay sees her into the house after he's picked her up she's uh, screaming um, he looks Henry this is every bit of the tough guy that he's supposed to be steps out of his Chrysler convertible tucks a 38 into his waistband those brown trousers on he's got his black shirt, the red leather sport jacket which Keenan messaged me about in the week and just a grimace on his face like he's mean mugging on the way to the ring. <laughs> Walks over with the composure of Berbatov before he chipped that nice goalkeeper in unbelievable goal. Whips his pistol down his hand so he's got the base of it right there in his palm and then just goes to town. <laughs> On that, on, on, on Bruce's head. Keenan, is this the coolest anyone has ever looked in the history of the world? No. <laughs> Who looks cooler no. than when? I mean, just no. Who um, looked cooler and when? Frank Sinatra and almost any picture of him. De Niro at various points in this very film. Thank you. That was going to be my yeah. next point. Um, De Niro, when you meet him, De Niro, when he sat at the bar, when Eric Clapton starts to play. Um, Who's he pistol whipping? No one. He had his face in a mobile phone, didn't he? Too busy look on his phone. <laughs> Too busy texting. On Instagram, <laughs> when he should have been pistol whipping. 
Um, Probably sure. Billy Bats when you first meet him, actually. Like that, that grey hair, the facial hair, the suit. <laughs> he looks red hot. Keenan <laughs> told me this week um, that I could pull off Billy Bats's moustache, TK. Do you agree? I think so. Firmly. Yeah, Keenan was a rare supporter of my moustache uh, last summer, so uh, I was. I like it. Appreciate that. Sure, yeah, like it. Um, Karen says right after this that it turned her on. Um, if your date protected you like this, would it have the same effect? <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> Sean's Sean's new bit of just throwing hands. <laughs> Sean, you, you're disrespected. You're disrespected on, on a date. You've gone. You've gone to Nando's. You've taken the bird there. It's a Tuesday night. You come out. She's having Sean, none of it. <laughs> Sean, you don't even eat your fucking India chips. Your bird. Your your bird steps up to your defence. And just pistol whips. Whoever <laughs> says this to you. I mean, the pistol does whip. Does that have is... the same effect? The and pistol... he's got to hide the gun for her. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hide that in your purse. <laughs> she all looks down, he's got a raging hard on it. She's giving him this gun. <laughs> it's really semi on this. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, there's some there's some credit to what you're saying. I think to, to some extent, I think if the pistol comes out, then that, that's a bit too far. <laughs> that's oh, where the lights being drawn. Yeah. So so it's not a pistol. Say it's um, you know those bottles of Nando sauce they have that you pick up on the cutlery. <laughs> yeah, say it's yeah. with one of them. He's like pistol whipping him with one of them glass sauce bottles. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I could I'll probably get yeah. on that. that is... <laughs> I think she'd get behind you. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot's getting pegged. You try try everything once. (laughs) I I, I tweeted uh, this week about this scene saying about it being my favourite shot of him walking away from the Chrysler. I think it's joint top alongside... uh, Tony Montana in front of that palm tree wallpaper, you know, the orange one there, right before he uh, shoots Frank. Mm. And the shot in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle where they zoom in on the food and then they pan it up and you've just got Harold and Kumar there in awe of what they're seeing. So a nice little mix. Quite a range. Of the top yeah. three. TK, if I ask you the same question, favourite ever movie shot, what's the first one that comes into your head? I don't know if this is somewhat cheating because the the scene is one of my favourites as well, but De Niro at the bar when he's clearly deciding he's going to whack Mori mm-hmm. is <laughs> yeah. just phenomenal. I mean, it's the best bit of like silent acting you'll see, but even just the still shot of him is pretty phenomenal. They give you a bit of slow-mo in that, don't they? Mm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Keenan, same question. I'd need to think about it. Mm. Yeah, that is a big question. You've stuck on us. That's why I said first one coming to your head. Oh, I actually don't know. There are about four different films popped into my head. Jack, anything coming to your mind? The first one that pops into my mind is when the Riders of Rohan get to the battle <laughs> um, outside Minas Tirith in the Return of the King, where they just turn up to the battlefield, or when they turn up to Helm's Deep in the second one. But either or. We can, I can tell Keenan's not shaking his head because we hear him rustling, so <laughs> obviously he's been charmed by the film. No, I rolled my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to uh, Billy Bats' party. Yes. Um, comes in, 
get the get those Irish hoodlums a drink. I think he's one of the first things uh, you hear here. Um, obviously, Tommy and Billy start going back and forth. TK, where do you stand on this? I mean, he was just breaking balls. He, look, he was just breaking balls. But that's obviously he's a fun guy. But you just you just don't do it with Tommy. We've all seen someone do that who thinks they can have their usual banter with the guy who's a bit nuts. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing this, man. You think someone's going to rein him in, and no one does. Keenan, um, we we've mentioned a couple of quotes already. Um, where does that go home and get your fucking shine box rank among them? It's not my favorite. It, again, it's not my favorite line in this. It's not my favorite line in this scene. <laughs> I do love. You, come on, come on. You fucking feel strong. Um, uh, uh, motherfucking must. Uh, phenomenal from Pesci. <laughs> as it as is, you insult you insulted him a little bit. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, you're a little out of order yourself. And he says, oh, "No, nah, I didn't insult no one." Doing a little, yeah, little bit. Just squints the eyes. He does the De Niro squint as well. Yeah, the eyes <laughs> narrow. The eyes just narrow. And, and he does the, the drink drinks on the house. He has that little pause. It drinks on yeah. the. House, yeah, yeah. House. He, he goes, uh, it's automatic. Do you know what that reminds me of massively? It reminds me of Al Pacino, yeah. Strangely, yeah. you can see you can see that drinks are on the house. It makes me, <laughs> it does remind me of Pacino. Bottom lip comes out as he's doing the talk. It's just, it's definitely, I, 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 sorry, Sean, go on. No, go on, go on. I was going to say, I also like, after they have just battered the fuck out of him, uh, Joe Pesci just rather goes, I'm sorry, Henry, I didn't mean to get blood on you. Guys. That is one of the most psych- <laughs> psychopathic lines ever. As he's out of breath from the fact that yeah, he's just beat yeah. the shit out of this guy. <laughs> Sean, um, what's right is right. That's phenomenal as well. <laughs> yeah. That, I, need to, I, is, I need to bring that in. What's right is right. That, you that, that, is, a lot in that is great. What were you going to say, Sean? Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm with you. I do love that line that you said because obviously he mentions it a few times and then they it feels like they've like agreed it now and they walk away and then there's that like moment of pause <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. fucking shine <laughs> and then it's like, he just he, he hits the drink on the bar then he just cuts out the top yeah. of your fucking shine box I also yeah. like Bats playing the typical pissed older bloke oh, hey, I've known you all my life don't go, go don't go getting fucking big on me yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you got the the trivia for what like the the real situation? Yeah, that. yeah, we're gonna get to that in a second. Um, with with when he finally does say it, it's like um, he's actually taken a moment to consider, like, yeah, yeah. do it's I just... say it? And in his head, he, he's not kind of undenied. He's gone, absolutely, I'm saying, it. <laughs> and delivered it with such precision, just such chest as well. Because <laughs> he does as he's gone, doesn't he? He's like, trying to ruin my party. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the chest bit that you touched on that reminds me of of uh, of the neighbour with Karen. Like he has when when Henry's walking up to him, he has yeah. like, "What do you want?" And then gets yeah. <laughs> also a word that I just don't like. Just when he calls him fucko, just don't like that. <laughs> just don't like. It really pisses me off. <laughs> That's a great really annoys me. It's not TK. <laughs> it's, it's, I hate it. I, I, it's probably one of the worst things in this film for me. <laughs> Tommy says on his way out, doesn't he? He's like, keep him here. Yeah. Keep him here. Um, I do. Does again? I do also. Like he says, I'm shooting in his big fucking mouth. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we we get him come back in. You got De Niro um, 
must be if, if we've got some like kicking Hall of Fame, um, this would be right up there. It's um, like he's trying to scrape shit off his shit on the toe. <laughs> it's like, like the kicks are like scraping down his face. It's like he's just trying to like he's he's actually just going heel to toe on his face. I, the concentration is, is what really tops it for me. Like he gets into a rhythm at some point there, and he's just going to town. For for Tommy in that situation, it's rage. In Henry, it's almost like a Green Street Football Factory esque. Like, what else am I going to do? Like, he enjoys the fact that he's getting to kick the shit out of someone. Oh, he's just he's for his boy, isn't he? Even more so, the fact that it's Billy Bat. So I imagine everyone that's ever met him and just from this scene has fantasised about doing that to him. So while he's down there. It does seem crazy that they bear in mind Jimmy knows he's a made man, that he doesn't pull him back at all. You totally expect it from Tommy, but Jimmy must know this is going to have consequences. And I yet guess he's once still... he's hit him, you're in, because like, he's going to get whacked if, I just, if yeah, he yeah. just lets him back yeah. up. Because Henry's behind, isn't he? He tries to almost like block him, mm. and then by that point, he's already going to town. The, yeah, the contrast, by, 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 then... by the time he hits him twice, he's dead anyway, so what do you do? But just for a calculating guy like Jimmy, it doesn't make a, a lot of sense that he wouldn't have seen no. it come and tried to stop it. I did, I, I, no, no, you should try and stop it. But I think once he's in, once it happens, yeah. I think he's genuinely just there. This is this is my this is my mate. We're we're all in now. It is crazy his loyalty to Tommy. When you think he has no loyalty to pretty much anyone. I mean, actively yeah. kills everybody he can, and yeah. yet this guy seems to be untouchable to him. Yet he's a total liability. Yeah. The the scene after. At his mum's house, which is Scorsese's mum, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In the scene. Um, yeah. Rex Ryan? Uh, oh, I'll say, yeah. Because she. We talked earlier about who does the most with the least, and it might be her. She, yeah, she's she's batting a thousand in this. She is phenomenal in this. Absolutely the story, incredible. The story about the Campari kills me. I love it. Well, I've said a lot already, like one of my favourite lines and maybe the one I laugh at the most every time I watch the film is he says, one dog goes one way, one dog goes the other way. And this guy's saying, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? <laughs> that is just a phenomenal little bit of dialogue. <laughs> She's going, one's going east, one's going west, so what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she just right back at him. <laughs> I, I love the thing of pointing at him and saying he looks like someone we know because he doesn't look that much like him but it is one of when you're in a group and one of you says that you're just all on board you just get in and you're just completely like yeah it does look like him <laughs> and you all just have a laugh about it everyone loves a private joke and this one just happens yeah. to be about a murder <laughs> yeah and no, it's not a murder at that point yeah technically yeah, he's still still kicking the painting was done by um, Nicholas Pelleggi's uh, wife, uh, Susan Pelleggi. Um, so that's, that's done by her. That's her painting that you see in the film. The best thing with the mother is that, obviously, the fact that she's up in the middle of the night ready to cook him something is kind of crazy. But the fact he's coming back covered in blood and asking for a knife, and no yeah. questions are asked here. It's just, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> She, appear, she appears to buy that deer line just hook, line and sinker. Yeah. She just bats it off. She's like, oh, right, yeah, yeah. This is totally make normal. Sure, she's like, yeah, make sure you bring the knife back. It's, a, it's my good line. His line is... chuffed with himself, saying, uh, 
His, yeah. Somehow the way he says hoof is incredible. <laughs> then Pesci steals it as well when he goes, uh, when she, she's going like, he's got to cut the hoof off and she kind of grimaces yeah. him. He goes, hey, Mars, it's sin. I can't leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm unbelievable. Um, so, the truth behind Billy Batsy's actual death then. So, um, Paul Ivario told the Gotti crew from the Gambino family that it was Tommy who whacked Billy Bats and that's essentially how they know who did it and what gets him killed in the end the story behind why he did that Paulie was actually having an affair with Karen Hill and his wife um, while he was in prison and she had told Paulie that Tommy tried to rape her while Henry was in jail Um. Obviously, he's enraged by this. He tells the crew what happened with Bats, and they arrange Tommy's murder. Um, you see a reference to this in the scene where Paulie and Jimmy are confronting Henry about his infidelity uh, towards Karen and telling him to go on vacation. And Paulie says, um, I know how to talk to her, especially her. Um, and that's the reference they put in there to uh, this affair happening. Did um, you know very another... They, he says it in the film. Um, he says it was revenge for bats and some other things. The other thing that got him killed was John got his best mate. Tommy was seeing his sister. This was before his mates with Gravano, etc. But uh, he was seeing his sister. Basically, in a rage, he beat the shit out of his sister. This fella's sister and he went to he went to John Guy and he was like, oh, "Look, oh, I want him dead." Well, he's even it, like, sorry. And it was a, there was a, apparently a conversation about it. it was no no and then they basically found the evidence they weren't going to do it over that but then yeah, the point the point the point was raised again and then they were they were sort of all in they were like yeah it's fine he, he goes yeah because um, Henry Hill claims at one stage that Dotty himself took it upon him to shoot Tommy but he then retracted that later on mm. um, so. Billy Bats, as they reference in this, was in fact a good earner. He had a successful loan sharking business that Jimmy took over when yeah, that was Billy went to jail six years. So he comes to the lounge that night for a welcome home party and to demand his business back. Um, so then part of the reason that Jimmy and Tommy kill him is because they want to keep the business. Um, although Billy did still insult him and say, go home and get your fucking shine box. Um, no, no, I didn't insult nobody. They have the party, the insults are thrown, then two days later, back mm-hmm. in the suite that's owned by Henry, they get Billy blind drunk. Tommy leaves with his girlfriend, comes back with a revolver and a mattress cover, and Jimmy and Tommy beat him to what they think is death. Um, when they find out he's still alive, Billy is once again pummeled by Tommy and Jimmy, but in reality, it was with a shovel and a tire iron. Um, so... The, the movie version of this is somewhat more graceful despite the situation um, and, and more merciful. Um, yeah, in reality, they then just beat him to death in the back of the car with a shovel and a tire iron until he stops moving and then they bury him. So even more brutal than even Scorsese was willing to show. Yeah, it's great. Joe Pesci actually dialed it down for this, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, know how, I, didn't how fast, I didn't know how fast and loose they got with it, or you know, it's Tommy actually did get whacked in real life and stuff. I didn't know the actual real stories behind it. It's yeah, no, wild. He did, he did, yeah. he did 
they'd get killed. Being in that, being in that light, you just think like every time you ever go into any building, you're just always on edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Leota says it in the film, doesn't he? Sam really says, I remember I had this feeling I was just going to get whacked while I was at the jail. Like, yeah. that is a building that's full of, like, that is, like, essentially is full of correctional officers and, and coppers. You're still shitting yourself that someone is just <laughs> going to put, he's just going to put a bullet in you. Well, he like, says, Henry sleep in bed. at risk in the prison. Yeah, he says, yeah, maybe easier. I also do love when he's shouting at Karen, he's like, I'm going to get whacked. Yeah. I can go, I might, I might get whacked in the street and I'll come home for what? For this. <laughs> well, Sean, on, on that Mafia podcast, um, they reference it a couple of times with the mobsters where they say, essentially, they knew how this lifestyle ends up. And so that kind of had them relaxed at all times because they knew it was just inevitability and what will be will be. So whether it's when they get their hair cut, whether it's in a restaurant, they know this life only ends one way, and that's why they're able to keep some peace. So maybe it's a bit like that in this. Yeah, yeah, true. True. That's a good point. Uh, another scene where we get to see just what a madman uh, Tommy is, is when he shoots Spider. Um, <laughs> another Sopranos reference here with Michael Imperioli. Um, so during the filming of the scene, he broke a glass in his hand and had to be rushed to the emergency room. Uh, the doctors see him come in and he has his makeup on and they see what appears to be a gunshot wound in his chest, which they tried to treat. Um, <laughs> what a compliment to the makeup team that is. Yeah. Yeah. So once uh, Michael Imperioli tells them what it is, they're so irritated that they put him to the back of the queue, basically, and so. make him wait in his makeup and everything for a further three hours before they uh, treat the glass in his hand. Um, Scorsese told him that one day he'd end up telling that story on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and that came through in the March of 2000 when he got to tell that story Nice. There are some unbelievable little snippets of dialogue in both of those in both both scenes actually when he shoots him the first time and then when he kills him So so he got shot in the foot that big fucking deal (laughs) (laughs) He said He says oh don't, don't cry like what? Like, <laughs> don't get me upset now. Yeah, don't make this a big it. thing, Spider. You prick. <laughs> it's a big what? fucking thing, Spider. You just shot in the foot. <laughs> Gaslighting at his best. Like, don't yeah, make me feel bad for this. This is your fault, yeah. not mine. Honestly, the thing as well. Sorry, Peter. No, no, but I was just, it makes me wrong. So it's like, when you run for the drinks, when you run for me, like you run for fucking everybody else. <laughs> Jenny just right into him. <laughs> Well, the, the thing with uh, Jimmy eventually winding up Tommy saying that you're going to take that, you would see at school where yeah, some, yeah. some kid would react to someone who in the hierarchy of things he shouldn't react to, and all his mates will do the same, like, you're going to take that, until he reacts and does something. In this case, he shoots him in the chest about 10 times, so a bit more severe. But just him in his ear, just getting at him. <laughs> he raises a toast to him, doesn't he? He says, oh, I like that. You don't take shit from anybody. Yeah. He says, good for you. Then he says, he shoots yeah. him and then tells him to go fuck himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the I bit that kills me is when he's, he's like, I ain't got a lime. I, we got no lime. I ain't got a shovel. You can dig your hole. You can dig your own fucking hole. Tommy, Tommy just goes, like, <laughs> like I never dug a hole. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with Henry. Just as the scene's finishing as well, he just casually goes, so where are the shovels? <laughs> 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 it's, not, it's just totally normal things. 
Henry is every moment like this. He's so shocked and so disgusted. But seemingly like a day later, he's just, that's at the back of his mind. <laughs> yeah. He's just, just battling his boys again. Like, imagine something that I would maybe complain about with I don't know, one of you or just someone else that we know, just a little like yeah, thing that might gripe you. And his thing is that he loses his temper and kills people. And they just brush it <laughs> under the same way. They're like, yeah, I like everything I ignore that. This is smooth. Everyone's got a personality. <laughs> it's the same with Jimmy. Jimmy's like disciplining Tommy like he's a kid, but missing the point entirely. Is like, you're out of order there. You're going to have to dig the hole. Like, That's not the issue. Digging the hole isn't the issue. You shot yeah. kid. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, it's a great scene. And who knows, that, that may have helped get uh, Imperial League a role as one of the most important characters in The Sopranos. Um, Sean, did it add more to you this time seeing the characters that you recognise from The Sopranos? Because obviously Christopher's one of the main characters. Uh, a, a little bit, yeah. Obviously, I'm still only early in. I've only watched still on season one, but seven um, episodes. Yeah, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it it did a little bit like notice notice it as we get into the second half of the film, then. Um, there's a lot in this film, an hour and 39. <laughs> the film. Um, Keenan, actually, Jack, go to you. Um, do you oh. think it's oh, well, haven't I heard from Jack in a while? Jack, do you think it's good or bad that we don't see the heist in this? I don't know, I like it if it's from Henry Hill's perspective, he wasn't really involved. And plus, if you put the heist in this film. It turns into like a four-hour film, but with the planning and the actual yeah. under, undertaking of the task and whatnot. Um, but to see it from a life through Henry Hill's eyes, I guess it's almost better not to have done it. It's just this thing that he was a yeah. that he did, and then he just sees the backlash of it more than the actual deed. Keenan, with this, so you would think the story of uh, Lufthansa Heist itself, the magnitude of it people would be rushing to make films, TV shows about it. And the fact that Goodfellas left it untouched in such a way should mean it's completely open for that. They have made how good they they have made quite they've made quite a few bits about it, but no one's ever put the money behind it. It's probably the big issue. Wipes out what I was gonna say. (laughs) Well I was gonna say, do you think the success of this puts people off kind of putting their all in doing it because it's just compared to Goodfellas? I I think no, I think you're still right. Because no one's put money behind it. No one's put like you're talking made for TV stuff. I'm sure his budget is still quite a lot of money, but yeah, no, no one's put a big like a big studio has not put a sum a big sum around it. But you think like with the so the Great Train Robbery, not quite the yeah, probably I suppose around the same time scale, biggest in the country because it, it was the biggest heist in American history at that date, and the Great Train Robbery would be the yeah. British equivalent. It's like no one, they did so much around it for TV and stuff. No no one has ever wanted to touch it. Like ITV did a bit and they've, they've tried, but no one's ever really put enough money behind it. Um, and I think for, with this, yeah, it, it probably is the Goodfellas thing. Can you imagine the, the pop you'd get? Like if, if you made a TV show of this and you had a cameo of like, a, like in passing, like Ray Liotta is just there and you can do the de aging thing now. And it's even just he's in the for fifteen seconds. Just mm. the the hype you would generate from that would go nuts. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I I'd like to. See, I I don't even know if I want to see if I'd want to see it, mate. No, no. I'll be honest. Yeah, 
Um, TK, so he hears about this in the shower. The music starts playing as uh, the uh, news report finishes. This is then the highest before the house of cards starts tumbling down. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. His little celebration in the shower is great. Like he's just won yeah. like an acre or something. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, almost not celebrating enough, is it? If you think how you would celebrate winning sixty quid on an acre compared to what four to six million they take in from the heist. I do think the the paranoia that sets in with Jimmy would set in with me pretty quickly, though. I'm thinking yeah. we yeah. probably get this is very big. They're going to be onto us, and you've got numerous people involved here of various sort of intellects, if I'm being kind. Like some of them obviously show themselves to be kind of stupid. Well, can you, so we, we do this heist. We turn up for our little get-together that evening. Sean is absolutely rocking it with a pink car and saying nothing ever comes from it. <laughs> yeah. Dave's oh, he's a new coat. Harper just left. Um, I'll add him back in the meantime. Um, no, he's got to go. Why do you say that? In the so, movie chat. Sounds like oh. Keenan's just killed it. No, 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 no he's got to go. <laughs> the man had to go. Sorry. Talking of, are, are, are we? Yeah, are we, are we doing? Yeah, no, that, that's what it is. Are we doing? Are we going to talk? Do the Tommy Death scene talking about people who've got to go? Yeah, wanna, yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. We'll discuss um, that later. On. Yeah, I've got kind of. The first scenes are more singular scenes, and then I've got some questions about the second half. So we're not going to do every scene maybe in the way that we've done this at the start, and hopefully it's been more enthralling than the Back to the Future one. Uh, I would hope. Um, with the way the heist goes down, Keen, um, and everything that comes from it, do you think they got it right in the way that would it add much to the film? you seeing it because it doesn't sound like it's the most dramatic heist in terms of pulling it off so in terms of do it this way you probably save a lot of money that Scorsese couldn't afford to be spending at that point and it adds a little something to it I think that it's kind of going on in the background like it's almost just another day in their lives mm. um, it does like Jack Jack makes the point if you include it like Jack said it almost negatively. They said it would make it a four-hour film. I want nothing more <laughs> in my life. Um, but it, it's, I don't know. It does like it does. Cha- it does. Cha- it would just change this. It change would change the film tonally, completely. I think. I think the heist would become the, the focus, wouldn't it? As well? Yeah. The, the, does the that make being, it a heist film? I think it does. But the other point mm. being, a lot of the point about this is when it comes to intelligence-wise, a lot of these guys are just. I'm not saying this is an insult to him, but they're not. They're ordinary guys. I, aren't she they? actually says, she, Karen says it at one point, we weren't married to, to doctors or surgeons. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, these were blue collar guys who had to go out and do a bit to make, make a bit extra. Yeah. That's the point. Um, I, they can only assume that there was a lot of planning that went into that heist. Although he does talk about Idlewild Airport earlier in the film. He says, we yeah. just used to go and rob that. We needed money, we go and rob it. Um, and this, so I assume there was a lot of planning that went into it to not get caught and so on and so forth. Um, but if you show the full planning of the heist, so many of the other decisions that so many characters make become fucking stupid, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Sean. Is the um, only way I can put it. How do you feel about um, Jimmy's stance in this? Essentially, 
he begrudges giving the money to the people that actually did do it. He'd rather just see them killed <laughs> and move on. I mean, oh, I just, I mean, I don't agree with the stance in in the sense of <laughs> you know you should always pay, you should always pay your debts. But uh, I can understand why he's he's doing it. You know, you get rid of all the people that know, less chance people find out. So I kind of understand why he's doing, but don't agree with it. I bet Jimmy wouldn't let anyone get away with using his Amazon Prime without permission. <laughs> Probably wouldn't, no. TK, if I put you on the spot now and said, do you think the first half of the film or the second half of the film's better? Oh. Oh, that is a good question. That's brutal. I think there might actually be more scenes I like in the first half. Um, in terms of you, if you were to you know, do like a, a number, if you were yeah. to add them up, I'd probably have more scenes I'd like in that. But obviously the, the nature of a second half is that you're going to have story wrapping themselves up. Yeah. So the second half is obviously the more, probably the more important, but I'll probably go with the first half. I, I like it when they're on top. But, you know, it's, it's a shame everything's got to go tits up. And Keenan, I guess the first half of the film doesn't hit the same if you don't get the second half of the film. Um, much like... I think that, work, cards, that works. Those... I think that works the exact same way as well, though. Yeah, for sure. But I remember House of Cards was gutting because you never got to see Kevin Spacey's character get his comeuppance after you'd seen the highs. You never got to see the lows. In in this, as as you've just said, there works both ways. But the the start wouldn't hit the same if you weren't saying, "And this is where it all goes wrong." I I I disagree. What you like to see him just all happily off into the sunset? No, no, I do. I just don't. I don't. I, they are. But I think that's my love of the film and my love of the subject matter more than anything else. You're probably what, right. What for the, you're probably right for the average person. That so what, you think you could take away the ending of the film and the first half is still just the, just as good. Yeah, I'd love it, mate. Yeah. What about the second like, half? As as if like as if you wanted to separate them, and we talked about it earlier. If we talk about the moment the DVD flips, poor. I actually know it's actually after that. I suppose. Um, what, so you you think the second half could still hit the same without seeing the peaks of the start? Yeah, I can't. What do you want me to say? I love this film. <laughs> there isn't a moment in this film that I actually, other than the, probably the word the use of the word fucker, there isn't a moment. I can't in believe this film that. that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I have so. I have so he really little, hates fucker. I have so little bad to say about this film that there are very few things that I can pick out. Like we talk about rewatchable, this is one of. A very hand, a very, it's probably a handful of films, but if it's on, if I were to put it on now at any given point, I would watch it till the end, whether that was a minute in or a minute left. I think I could, it actually I, gets better each time you watch it as well. Somehow, yeah, I, I don't like, know how that's possible. But you've each all time I've watched it. I thought this is even better. We, we've all had a we've all had a film where you know, like Jack's all in on Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Byron all in. Back to the Future. This would be like that's, that, but like Back to the Future is your favorite film, right? Oh, Scarface. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, like this is my version, or an Indiana Jones chap loves as well. Like, he was, he's all in on it, right? <laughs> Even still, some of them I don't think are as rewatchable as this. Like I, re- I watched this, this on Sunday this night. Is, this is my version of that. Like I, from moment one to moment a thousand, and from the first time I watched it to the most recent time I watched it on Monday. I've watched this twice in four days now. 
I, I honestly used to, I would. When my, my brother came around my house Monday night and I was uh, and I was watching this, the first thing he said was, "Why are you watching this again?" <laughs> uh, and, I said, and I said, "I'm watching it for the podcast." And he said, "All oh, right, do you really need to?" I'll give up what you need I, to do. You, when we spoke yesterday, uh, you said, I think, um, I'm going to let you know now I haven't, and I thought you were going to say, watch this again, because I don't need to. I wouldn't have needed to. Genuinely. Um, but I, no, I, I didn't make any notes. It's the first time I've ever done no. it, I watched the film, and I did not make a note. I was like, ah, just speak about this film. I, I was comparing the first half and the second half last night, and I was trying to draw things between them and I noted down that in the first half of the film he wants Karen and the second half of the film he needs her. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, obviously the obviously in around his prison sentence he obviously does need a, a lot. Um yeah. oh my God, we're not even t- we not even touched the prison scene yet. We're that's that's next up. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, she obviously yeah, she descends as well. She's but then on the flip side, he's spends probably the second half of the film almost trying to avoid her, trying to spend time with his <laughs> bit on the side. That uh, that Sandy, who obviously sorting out most of his gear. He's got uh, he's got um, Janice before then, hasn't he? Janice yeah. Rossi. Yeah, she's yeah. Just screaming in, screaming in the intercom. Janice Rossi, you are a whore. <laughs> <laughs> with her kids. <laughs> yeah. When she calls the inspector, I want to alert you. You have a whore yeah. living in your building. <laughs> And he's supposed to go, Jesus, get her out of here. <laughs> whereas, in, whereas in truth, he's probably going to say, right, I'll be down in 15. Sean, if the intercom in your flat goes and someone's shouting that through, what's your reaction? <laughs> he's, asking, he's asking for the address. I'm your neighbour. I'm up in uh, flat 6B. Anything you need. It's the milk for your cereal. So are, we, are we thinking like if this is the same situation? So some some bloke turns up and he's on the internet <laughs> and was like, "This bloke's shagging my bird." You're a whore, Sean. You're a whore. In that case, I'd, I'd just be grateful there's there's two doors in between, getting so <laughs> cosy, listening to it. So I've got here in terms of the jail scene, I want to talk about the food and the theme of that going throughout the film, and then. I've got some more points on the menace of the second half before uh, we uh, a bit more trivia and wrap this one up. Um, so as I said, food literally does run all the way through this film. And Scorsese commented and saying essentially the, the quality of the food and the type of food they have echoes how things are going in Henry's life at the time. And it kind of draws back. Um, you have points where it matches for you to draw conclusions. So, Henry says at the start of the film, he says, uh, the life meant that everyone took some beatings, but I didn't have to wait in line at the bakery on Sunday morning anymore for fresh bread. So that tells him things are a success. But I'm doing well right now. Um, in contrast, he's having ketchup and pasta after killing Billy, and he's kind of pouring at it. Um, obviously got in prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, then a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He had a razor and he used to cut it so thin it would just liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. 
Keenan, you strike me as a man that has tried to see how thin he can cut garlic before after watching this. No, I do it because it tastes way better. I've never done the razor blade. No, I no, he's right. I don't know where you buy those types of razor blades. I would probably do it. I try and do it. Pencil sharpener. So I've done. Now the new tactic is essentially it's never sliced garlic. It's always minced garlic. Now chop it up as fine as you can, crush it again under the knife, put it back together, chop, so on and so forth until essentially it's a paste. So it just tastes a lot better. I was telling TK about your uh, tacos on Monday's podcast with the beef drippings. Oh, tacos spinoffs. Oh, mate, unreal. <laughs> I might um, have to make them again. <laughs> uh, so even even when things start to go wrong, he's still obsessive with food. Um, you know, I was cooking dinner that night. I had to start braising the beef, pork butt, and veal shanks in the tomato sauce. It was Michael's favourite. I was making ziti with the meat gravy. I was planning to roast some peppers over the flames. I was going to put some string beans with some olive oil and garlic. And I had some beautiful cutlets that were just right that I was going to fry it for dinner as an appetizer. Every mob movie just makes me hungry. I'm fucking starving after listening to you read that. (laughs) Sausage and peppers. I've never wanted roasted peppers so much as whenever I watch any kind of mob movie, Sopranos. Um, When you do do this, Keenan, don't let the sauce stick. Exactly. Can't keep you stirring. Free onions. <laughs> the way he asks him that, um, how many tins of tomatoes are you using? He shits himself as well because he goes, he's three onions, how many cans of tomatoes? He goes, it's two, two, two cans, two big cans. <laughs> he's like, you don't need three onions. <laughs> when, the sign of the times when someone asks for that, their state medium rare, he goes, ooh, an aristocrat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> And that has been in my genuinely has been my in my head for about ten years. Um, you've got you've got the callback after Henry makes bail and he visits Paulie. Um after he's broken his trust and he tells him as much. Um Henry looks down at the sausage and peppers that Paul is frying up, and it's the same meal that he's eating at the uh cookout at the start of the film when uh, he's just a kid. And he's there with Paulie um, right before he's doing the film boxing. And then right at the end, one of the final lines, I can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce and I got egg noodles and ketchup. <laughs> so right the way through, they one, they're making you hungry. And to our Scorsese says, he loves having food in his films anyway, doesn't he? So mm-hmm. he's got one of his uh, little tropes in there that, just makes you angry to see it. I love the fact they call it gravy. I don't know if you've seen that in a surprise yet, Sean, where they start referring to it. No, not yet. Yeah. There's, there's a clip you may have seen before, no real uh, relevance, but when they meet some Italians and they're comparing, and he's not happy with the, the gravy because it doesn't taste like the American stuff, which obviously is more to the point of what uh, Henry's stuck with at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Right before you hear uh, Highway by uh, Sid Vicious. Wanted mm. to add Sinatra's version and the studio wouldn't put up the cash for it, so we'll see they yep. had to settle. Yeah, it really is settling as well, isn't it? Yeah. Especially <laughs> with Sinatra's uh, mob ties as well. It's been good. Yeah. Yes. It, 
it's a yeah, it's a horrible cover. Like you can't tell yeah, me with the budget they had, they couldn't have paid someone else to do a cover <laughs> if they want it that bad. Like it doesn't even have to be anyone famous. This was just an odd one to go for, <laughs> unless it's to symbolise how badly things have gone for Henry. Maybe, but I don't. I it actually might be because I thought this. I was thinking something similar the other day that they seem to have chosen. I don't know. Maybe it was the time that the time that he released it as well. Probably a bit closer. Right. I, don't, I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I'm not going to lie. Yes, it's just very rash. Um, so I've got some questions then about the menace of the second half of the film. Just got down that Karen screaming does get worse, which absolutely does. Um, I saw a review, TK, and someone said it's impossible to get comfortable watching the second half of this film it's so erratic and so kind of all over the shop you're, you're essentially seeing the come down of someone who's been on cocaine for years um and it's all kind of falling out at once yeah they, that's a fair fair review yeah absolutely they nail the the drug thing with henry that spell i don't know how long it is whether it's 10 15 minutes but yeah. of him you said about him cooking, but he keeps kind of going back to that whilst having yeah. much more serious things to deal with with the cocaine at Sandy's house and yeah. got to take things elsewhere. And he keeps going back and obviously calling her up and saying, keep stirring the sauce. You know, this is absolutely insane. You don't need to be doing this. Uh, they nail that, that showing of him on basically at the peak of his drug issue, basically. It's perfect. They must have been blinded because I'm pretty sure the way they do the, the latter portion of that film is they're just blinding them with massive beaming lights to make them look so pale while filming it on the set and so doing that for as long as it would have taken to film must have been rough um keenan mm -hmm. sandy is looking worse and worse as this film goes on and particularly in that last scene um before they get arrested again the lifestyle just no longer feels glamorous, does it? It was going towards that way before, particularly when you see the deaths, I know. But you, you no longer idolise these people the way you did at the start of the film. You, you no longer have any kind of uh, wanting to be in the midst of this group of people. No. Uh, no, no, not at all. But again, it's the <clears throat> say, say no to drugs. Yeah. <laughs> But there is no way... What's this, 1990? I think the glamour of cocaine's sort of gone anyway. Mm, probably true. So you look at certain films when sort of Joel Cocaine was sort of the rich and powerful. This is... I suppose this is post... This is post the cracker epidemic as well. So this is... The, the glamour of drugs has certainly worn away. Um, and it really does... You do get some rough-looking ones. That scene where he takes that massive line and, you, and he, it comes into his face... <laughs> he looks like he has been wired for about the last 10 days <laughs> they, they do him and uh, Sandy in this portion of the film they essentially play it as if can I ask you a quick question just, sorry go on because I will forget I meant to text it to you last night yeah does she play the agent in Entourage yeah she does yeah thank you it's fine it was really I couldn't I, I was, couldn't think of who it was and I, I was couldn't. thinking that yeah Johnny wasn't going to google Janice. her no I don't know no, um, no, no I think it's something weird than that yeah, essentially the way the way they play it in that portion of the film is like they're relaxing just every part of their face, like it just drops like an inch, like they just can't be bothered anymore. I wanted to see Leota gurning his tits off. <laughs> I mean, jaw swinging, 
the law. The other so point you didn't about get your wish. Is... Hmm? So you didn't get your wish then? No, I just think that'd be funny. Um, Shauna Lorraine... is her name. In Shauna, there. thank you. Um, the other point about it is the sort of the the I don't want to say anti-drug, but I think it is. Um, the anti-drug message is how sloppy they get. Yeah, like yeah. they see they certain things go from being so meticulous to the out like the bit about she didn't make the call from the outside line, which fucks him anyway. The fact that he says earlier in the film, look, this is what a dishwasher's for. Try not to leave coke residue everywhere yeah. in the in your flat. And then one of them makes a joke about them baking a cake, and like in that scene, the edges of the cardboard box are just lined with are lined with coke. Like yes. there's, there's probably about fucking twelve grams there, like. Those coppers could have had a decent weekend. He doesn't need to be asked <laughs> twice to taste it, does he? Huh? No. Well, <laughs> big man dips into that, like. Yeah. Surprised he's only using a finger as half expecting to pull the keys out. <laughs> just got to make sure, lads. Uh-huh. Um, Sean, question for you. Um, the scene where uh, Karen's being sent to get the deal dresses, do you think Jimmy was trying to get her whacked? Scorsese refuses to confirm this. My brother asked me this question Monday night. A little bit further. Part of me wants to say... Part of me wants to say, yeah, but then... Looking at what the... The whole, like, mafia code and everything like that is is that you don't go after the the girlfriends and and the wives. So that is the part that I think that maybe he wasn't, but... You'd already killed her in the pink car. Yeah, true. So yeah, I, I would say I think in the in the film, I think that is what he's trying to do. Yeah, I don't really see what else he could be doing there. So what what answer did you give your brother, Keenan, when he asked? Uh, I always said yeah. I I still think it is. I think it's to do. I could could never figure it out. I I often think yeah. It's, but it's strange because they call him Jimmy the Gent, and he really does turn on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not much of a gentleman. No, I I. I I always, I always thought he was. Or I didn't think there was much doubt when I when I watched. I always thought there isn't no. much doubt about this, but I'm aware online there is quite some debate. Isn't yeah, there? I I always thought he was, and I think it's when he's because I think this is so he comes home and then the next day he flips to them meeting and then he's like at that point I knew I was never coming back from Florida. I lost. Yeah. So he try, tries yeah. to go the one way to to make his point, then he can't. So he's like, look, I'm go a little bit more direct yeah. about it. I so they then had the meeting with uh, the police officer to discuss um, witness protection. Karen is asking the most ridiculous questions in there. But I feel <laughs> like they're also the questions that you would ask if you were in that situation because you probably feel like, well, I may as well ask, or I'm going to regret not asking. Just the things yeah. like, so I'll never be able to see my parents again. Um, what if they get sick? Can we ever come back? All of these things that. That's stupid questions, but she but probably the, feels she has to The ask. irony is she did come back from it. Yeah. She left she, she left the witness protection screen when they when they got divorced. Yeah, twenty five years later, I think it was divorced, weren't they? I think it was eighty eight maybe. Eighty nine. Eighty eighty nine. They were divorced by the time the film came out. Um oh yeah, they say in the thing, don't they? Um there's the thing with the police officer, isn't it, where he has to tell her like but don't don't play dumb with me. Like we've mm-hmm. we've heard that we've heard this. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> She's uh, whinging away. What what do you think about the ending, TK? 
do you think that's one that you maybe appreciate more on the second watch? Because you almost feel like you're going to get a bit more and then it's neither a happy ending or a sad ending. It's just an ending. I think it's an ending that makes total sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And I do think... I've always thought I was en- I'm envious of whoever you know got to watch this in the cinema in 1990. Yeah. You know, you, that's cr- but I do feel like if you saw that and then Joe Pesci shooting at the end, I feel like watching that for the first time, you might be sort of like, what the hell's going on? I think you might be questioning yourself as you're leaving it, thinking, what the hell was all that about? Whereas I've, oh, yeah. I've never really thought about it too much, but I think at the time, maybe I might have. What were you going to say, Keenan? I was going to say, no one, no, no one here or listening at this point may be surprised to know this or to, to find this out. But I think the ending is almost perfect. Um, but I will, it will, it will explain it because the speech he gives in court, you know, talking down the camera. Oh, is gonna ask how you yeah. About that. What? Hmm? Turning to the camera, kind of for the first time. I actually walking I, uh, with I, the voiceover. I, yeah, I do do like it. Do you know, I, I like we, it. Yeah. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We had judges. Everything. Everybody had their hand out, and everybody was for the tape, and everything was for the taking. And then, as he says, and now it's all over. And then as it pans to him, because he looks smart, even when he's, he looks relatively smart at all times when he's, when he's got some cash on the hip, other than when he's in jail. And then he turns, so you see him in a dressing gown and a vest, pick, like picking up the paper. And he talks about it, sort yeah. of his new life. It, it fades into, well, this is it now. And I do really like it. The Pesci thing, I do agree with TK. I still, to this day, think, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't get it. I do, uh, yeah, I, I still don't get it. And then it kicks into that dreadful, dreadful cover. <laughs> that point from the Pesci bit onwards, I, I actually don't like. But then maybe on the flip side, it has to be a shit version by some vicious because it's kind of not exactly a glorious ending, is it? Does maybe you're Sinatra, right. Sinatra my way makes you kind of on a buzz again, doesn't it? Kind of makes you yeah. feel good. Maybe you're right. Which, maybe you're vicious right. died young. It's, he's a bit depressing, so maybe there is something to that. Maybe Sorsese says he secretly hates that cover, and he put he put he put it in because he was like, "Oh yeah, he ain't having a good time." Well, yeah, exactly. I've got some casting what ifs for you, um, and then the, just the final bits of trivia. So, Al Pacino was offered the role of Jimmy Conway. He turned it down due to fears of typecasting. Um, <laughs> in the same year, what? he ended up playing an even more stereotype gangster, big boy Caprice in Dick Tracy. Um, he admits regretting the decision. Mm. Very much relieved that happened. <laughs> the, uh, he's just, I think he'd be trying to go too much with Jimmy. As much yeah. as I love Aperture, he'd be trying to do too much, wouldn't he? He would be overacting the shit out of that. Doesn't have the subtlety of De Niro. Um, Ray Liotta turned down the part of Harvey Dent in Batman 1989 in order to make this film. That is an unbelievable decision. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Leo never um, had a career I thought he deserved. That's probably true. He pops up every now and again in something. That yeah. After this, he pops up every now and again in something that's really good. And there's a lot of shit. Um, too soon. John Malkovich was considered for Jimmy Conway, but turned it down. Thank fuck. Oh, my God. Imagine. Talk, talk of overacting. <laughs> um. Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, Sean Penn, Alec Baldwin, and John Travolta were all considered for the role of Henry Hill before it went to Ray Liotta. Only one who's got a chance of doing it is Sean Penn. Yeah. This is Sean a Penn hideous. Like this is a hideous film if they give this to Travolta. 
Oh, because you've had all Cruz. Imagine Tom Cruise. Yeah. Cage. <laughs> yeah. Byron said uh, Travolta is, is, is got you as his favourite gangster film. I definitely I didn't even watch it because I know how bad it would be. <laughs> uh, some more bits of trivia to uh, Ralph. Scorsese reportedly didn't want Liotta to have any contact with the real Henry Hill before filming because he'd never directed Liotta before. He didn't want Hill to have more influence over him than uh, he did. Powerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that? Because I, I, I watched bits of this uh, last night, actually. Have you seen that Henry Hill's interview with Howard Stern? No. Have you seen that? I watched I, it ages ago. <clears throat> yeah. I, like, try, I couldn't watch all of it. I tried to watch some of it, but the guy's just so hammered on it, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> he is, like, I know he's a prick in this film, but he is actually just a cunt. <laughs> or what, what was to tell you that it was to be more accurate have any of you ever seen the 30 for 30 about the point shaving scandal no I haven't what, watch, watch it they they reference it once in the film and it's just when they kill Maurice as have you heard about that the the point shaving thing we got going up in Boston he's like no no it's like yeah it's, it's Nunzio uh, it's a Nunzio and then obviously stabs him with a screwdriver um also, cracks me up when they're talking about waiting for the car to warm up. He's just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that if you ever, any of you get a chance to watch that, to watch that it's really interesting. We'll do. We'll um, do. In, in the commentary, Henry Hill said he slabbed nightmares about when he, Tommy, and Jimmy murdered Billy Bats. So good to see he's the victim there. Um, <laughs> according to Ray Liotta, De Niro and Tina Sinatra put a fake severed horse head in his trailer. In homage to The Godfather as an initiation <laughs> into mafia films. <laughs> That's quality. Um, Henry's last day as a wise guy was the hardest part of the film for Scorsese to shoot. He says he wanted to properly show Henry's anxiety, paranoia, and racing thoughts caused by cocaine and amphetamine intoxication. Uh, Liotta had never been under the influence of any drugs and found it difficult to accurately portray. It's like me, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, in closing here, before we uh, get on to our other film briefly, I've got, <laughs> a, yeah, we're not going to spend long on it, don't worry. Um, I've got a quick game for you to play. So I've got a selection of films here, and I want you to tell me whether you think it's rated higher or lower than Goodfellas on IMDb. So I'll start with you, Keenan. Silence of the Lambs. Do you think Goodfellas is rated higher or lower than it? Higher. Correct. Yeah, I never thought it might be because I thought you'd only you'd ask me a trick question. Sean, <laughs> do you think Goodfellas is rated higher or lower than Toy Story? Oh, lower. Higher. TK, yeah. do you think Goodfellas? Would have said higher because of how you phrased the question. Yeah. TK, do you think Goodfellas is rated higher or lower than Pulp Fiction? I think higher. Lower. Yeah, I thought it might be. Blimey. Same question, Keenan. Fight Club. Oh God. <laughs> I'm you gonna say good. I'll, I'm gonna say Goodfellas is rated lower. Correct. Yeah, that pisses me off. <laughs> Another one for you, Keenan. Yeah. Inception. Um. Again, I think that's. I, I think you, it's gonna you be lower. Yeah, yeah, low, right? lower than Inception, yes. What is this fucking nonsense world? He's just trying to upset him, man. Sean, do you think 
Back to the Future is rated higher or lower than Goodfellas? Lower. Goodfellas is rated higher. Thank God. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that that is what I meant at that point. But TK, do you think Goodfellas is rated higher or lower than Saving Private Ryan? Oh, I think they're gonna make it lower, aren't they? No, it is rated higher than it. That's oh. what I definitely would have got um, that wrong. Keenan, do you think Goodfellas is rated higher or lower than The Matrix? Higher. Lower. Mm. This is random. Oh, nice man. Two more. Keenan, Interstellar. Goodfellas rated higher or lower? Lower. Higher. Oh, nice. And I'll stick with you. Do you think it's rated higher or lower than Gladiator? Lower. Higher. Yes. 8.7 it is on IMDb. That's fucking disgraceful. (laughs) That really is. That's actually scandalous. (laughs) When you consider some of the shit that people are out here awarding nines plus to. Outrageous. Alright, if if you can give me 15 more minutes of your time, we'll just uh, cover kill our head quickly. Um, so I presume are we just are we just not not doing a category this week? Are we not going to do our job? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a whitewash you fall in the I think it'll be within the 15, to be fair. Um, the synopsis of Kidulthood. A day in the life of a group of troubled 15-year-olds growing up in West London. Sean, critics' reviews, good or bad? Uh, not good. Clark has made the disgusting and deprived engaging and dramatic without ever being exploitative, neatly seeming the film together with opening and closing acts of unmitigated violence. A dark, disturbing, controversial British masterpiece. Every story in this repulsive film sickens me. While While it may represent everyday life, it certainly is not something that should be shown in cinemas, why reward such antisocial behaviour by showcasing it on film? <laughs> you could why? probably you could you could take that review and just apply it to Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait till you go. I'll wait till you get yeah, the reviews and then, uh, uh, and then. Some scenes are undeniably attention grabbing, while the soundtrack pulses away with verve, and Brian Tufano's cinematography is right on the money. But come the preachy finale, you may feel you haven't learned anything new about the unruly and unfeeling kids of today. Gritty urban realism, or simply unpleasant? (laughs) (laughs) And finally, (laughs) as potent as a shot of vodka before breakfast, a harrowing, uncompromising, bleak but thoughtful look at the anguish of being young and poor in Britain. There you go. It was it was tough to even find critics' reviews, to be honest. Um, <laughs> what, literally no no trivia. I can't find a single bit of trivia. What I was going to say is that I I do uh, going on to that one review that you had there and, and watching watching it back felt quite nostalgic. Um, and then when I was watching it, I do feel like this is kind of what school was like at the time. Um, <laughs> uh, some of the characters that you see, I could remember people at school that spoke like that and Mm. acted like that and then you've got the dynamic of the where there's you're you're the big shot in one situation but then someone else ends up and then suddenly you're not and then it's like that power dynamic and stuff happening um yeah so around this time people were i assume comparing you to sam in uh, (laughs) kilohood <laughs> no, you <he's> say. <saying. laughs> 
No, I think the, the nostalgia kicks in when you see him pull out the uh, flip-top Nintendo. Yeah. Tribal, yeah. tribal edition. And he says, doesn't he? Ooh, tribal edition. And he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's buzzing with it. Um, the, the acting, you can very much tell that 90% of these people have never acted on camera before. <laughs> um, this is, Noel Clark wrote it, directed it, did, did everything for it on a pretty mediocre budget. Um, and I guess the reason at the time there wasn't much critique about these things is we were the ones watching it. It came out in 2006. It was pretty much 15-year-olds watching this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was enjoyed for what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was enjoyed far less this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did enough to get two sequels out of it. I know, yeah. That's quite impressive. It is impressive. How far <laughs> over the budget do you think they made, Keenan? So if I tell you the budget was 600000 Don't know, 12 quid. Yeah. I reckon in the, in the, in the, the, early, the early... $849,000. That was close to that. That is. I was closer so, than shoot with the exchange rate. Think about the exchange rate back in 06 <laughs> as well. I'll properly bang on. <laughs> 12 oh, pounds. <laughs> Go back to 2006. Tell me what that was worth. What, how many dollars was worth in pounds? I'm sure it wasn't 12 pounds. <laughs> no, I mean the total. I'm talking 612. 600,000, 12 pounds. In fact, 06 might be. Oh six, we might have been back at one. <clears throat> we might have been at one point three as the reverse exchange rate. Probably was one one pound to two dollars. So we might have been at one point three as the reverse. So I, I'm telling you now, I won't be a million miles away. <laughs> um, you'll be pleased to know that Adam Deacon is now returning to filmmaking with a film called uh, Some Motherhood. <laughs> what was the other Excellent. one he made that was supposed to be the piss tape one? Um. Was it just called Anotherhood? Yeah, it was. Uh, VA, Another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what was the no. thing he was in when it was like, wasn't he the one who said, and this was a big thing at school at the time, when it was like, Free Teller as a bad man. That was it, that's it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Was that what that it was? was yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. me. that at the time. Because <laughs> Are You Dizzy Blood was the one that particularly uh, took off from this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's some rough dialogue in this. Sean texts me in the week asking if um, best side character would go to that actor in this that has the two birds round. Looks <laughs> <laughs> extra. Extra creepy now, that doesn't it? Now we're a little older. Oh, this, God. I forgot did... there was. A, there's two, well, there's two scenes of nonsense, isn't there, really? Yeah. It did dawn on me just how obviously young they are. Oof, God. Out of context, getting a short, getting a message from Sean in the week saying, Christ, I forgot about the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, someone... some of the quotes in this are rough. One of the first ones, it's like in that opening montage where, where um, what's the girl? Called? It's Becky, isn't it? Yeah. Becky the name? Yeah, yeah. 
who is well, just an awful human being. Well, she, yeah, she is awful. like the, the worst of people. That's Ray like, Winston's daughter. Is it actually? Yeah. Fuck oh, Christ. No um, but yeah, when she when she's like, listen, yeah, brush your teeth after you lick me out. Don't try and kiss me. You get me. <laughs> 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 yeah. We're straight down to business with her, aren't we? If we don't discuss <laughs> with her. I mean, yeah. you've also got the line of scene later. I can't believe you swallowed that guy's spunk. I hate you. It tastes like salty egg whites. Uh, um, I won't, I won't fuck him unless he eats me out. Do you think he will? <laughs> yeah, she's got some awful ones. That guy saying, Con- congratulations, my wife is pregnant too. She says, wife, I thought you were the bite, man. It's morning sickness, but it's not the morning. And then uh, again, I think it, it, it's Sam, isn't it? Where Sam's like, fuck to hard blood, you get me? Bareback, no rubbers. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the worst scene in the entire thing is on the um, subway train where she gives the classic, uh, yeah, try and beat me up. I don't care. I'm, I'm better than all of you. You, you killed her and her moral stance, which <laughs> is very uh, like pantomime-esque. Oh, the, 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 cringe, very... the cringest one for me is, is when they're in the flat and that posh boat just, just says, like, get your knickers off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, but, then she, but then Becky asked her, asked her, were you a bit wet over that? She's like, yeah. What? No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't be a bit wet over that. Not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. She would not have been aroused by that at all. Yeah. One of the bits that had me fall over myself, when they're in the shop and there's that older woman and it's trying to like, uh, what's his face? He goes, shit, that gash over there. Look at that back off on. And he walks over to her and goes, hey, you're my size. And she just doesn't make any attention, obviously. I was, honestly, I was, I almost had to stop it. So I can't. His line where she's like, oh, do you work here? He's like, no, sorry, I'm just making conversation. And they're like, oh, man, he's got some game on him. And he says, I, I don't need Viagra, you know. Yeah, like, why, why, is she just going to jump over that point? Oh, yeah. well, also, as if, as if she's like 68 or something like that, like, she's obviously in a, well, how old does she say she is? She says she's like 26. Isn't it in the 20s? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. in her 20s. <laughs> Haven't heard yeah, about watched it before. There is a split second where I think, is she actually going to go for this? Well, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. says, doesn't he? He says, like, her husband's away. Get lonely. I, and he goes, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I do actually, yeah. Very odd. Um, Keenan did text me saying, uh, Trevor, my little gun driller. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said it to you when, I said it to you, when you faced Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I knew you said it to me. The, 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 the scene, which this is the main reason I wanted to watch it again, is him getting his Game Boy back, uh, going into the flat. Yeah. He's doing the before, and he's like, you coming down, man. It's funny, that's just a dash with him with the keyboard. Oh, yeah. right before, <laughs> Fuck. I said the line you see you Claire I'm going to show them that so far we'll push it <laughs> after Jay's been literally a 15 second man before that and then drops with it all his mates thing. watching it I mean she is just behind Becky in terms of just awful <laughs> because she seemingly will just go along with just any bloke he just shows her any attention she'll be like okay yeah right He's bound for the cause. Also, when when he's like, I'm just going to go check my mum. You're not going to go to that party, are you? No, no, I promise. (laughs) Okay, all right. 
But how horrendous it would be when she's like, I'll tell everyone at school you're a shit fuck. And like, that is the, that's about the worst thing. <laughs> that is very of, says, very of the Asia, isn't it? It is. Very, it's, oh, I mean, you wouldn't I mean, want to be called Fridges. Down there. I'm yeah, he smelled on there and he screws his face up and goes, Jeez. Yeah, but he literally said, and you know what I mean, or something. Like, yeah. yeah, you didn't need to say it. We know what you meant. It's fine. I've, my notes I've, I've got down from watching this um, uh, Nicholas Holt at the start, where he's inviting people to his party and he says, uh, Mum and Dad are away. Oh, he goes. this killed me. <laughs> that guy absolutely kills me. Uh, <laughs> Trife and Jay playing Pro Evo. Nice. Yeah, that was uh, a nice, nice sign of the times. That or that all the Pro Evo scene in a uh, role model. Role <laughs> models. Little one for you. Excellent. J- Jay reading what I think is Hustler, and he says, "I won't fuck no girl unless she's got a DV." <laughs> oh <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> <laughs> and when. Uh, Elisa says she's going to keep the baby and she says, so what, are you pro-life now? (laughs) 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 Nicholas Holt at a party saying, Jay, did I mention how sharp you look? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Fucking hell. (sighs) Watching him run yeah. around and talk about dusty tunes. <laughs> Characters in there as well. Uh, just obviously British actors. Remember that time that Jay's dad's the from in between. Yeah. Driver. Yeah. The the worst thing in the entire film. Ironically, is... I've always had the theory that he's the fake taxi guy. So that is an extra. <laughs> if you if you listen to his voice and the fake taxi guy's voice, eerily yeah. oh, <laughs> similar. Huh? The 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 worst thing in the whole film is when. Uh, Sam has just levered him in the stomach with the baseball bat. And Elisa says, uh, something's wrong with Trife. I think it's <laughs> a confusion as to what it could possibly be. Like, it might be linked to the whacked. baseball bat to the stomach. I'm not sure, though. And Trife, in his last breath, is telling Rafe Spall, it's not worth it. <laughs> Rafe Spall, shithouse. <laughs> wow. No, no Clark's writ that to get them sequels on go. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, he should have, he should, Rafe should have just killed Sam. That would have been the. We tried. The gun backfired. Yeah, it turns out Trevor and a little gun drawer, is it? He should have. <laughs> yeah, Mark is the name of uh, Sean's boy in this. Um... How much do you like doing the podcast on a Thursday, Keenan? Why? If I told you I wanted you to carve a C from the corner of Sean's eye to the corner of his mouth. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Would you do it? I'd probably drop you a 50 on the way out. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but disrespect for Keenan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Sean. He's earned this. No, no, I didn't mean it. Sure, it was easy, and I'm very lazy. Quite, quite appropriately, the the name of that fat bully at the start, um, her name is uh, Shamnik. So, uh, <laughs> there we go. Troy, she ain't a virgin. How would you know? Me and her fuck the dad turn you down, and everyone in the class is like, oh. <laughs> that was great. I did like that scene. Uh, her dad is the woke. 
oh my god, just, I oh, fell, yeah. and he just entirely buys it. Just, what? So I think she's being bullied, and he's like, I told you about the day at work I've had. Yeah. <laughs> it's driving me around the bend. I forgot. I forgot that there was a suicide uh, scene in it. Yeah, that's what gets them all the day off work. Yeah, scale of school, sorry. Yeah, yeah when uh, when Mooney comes in, he's celebrating, and then yeah. her brother's there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I can imagine you end up in that situation. Excuse me? No. For all uh, you say about that Goodfellas soundtrack, I'm telling you, this runs it close. Shut up. Top it. Top it. Shut uh, up. <laughs> The, the I, didn't best. See, I didn't see Mike Skinner in the Goodfellas soundtrack, <laughs> let alone twice. When it's, uh, again, it goes in line with that scene, which probably is the favourite scene, when they're in that flat and then it's just a rascal starts playing as they go down the stairs. Yeah. That, that is a great moment and scene in the film. Barring her mother, and his mother, but she broke her arm. We think she broke her arm. <laughs> <laughs> he's so concerned he's gone out for the evening. Um, you've got two tracks by the streets in this. You've got two tracks by Dizzy Rascal. You've got uh, a Carla. You've got Kalashnikov. Roots Maneuver twice. Skinny Man, Troy's favourite. In fact, he, there's a review up on the Spitballing website of uh, Troy reviewing Skinny Man's album. Uh, three songs by the streets actually. Then Blinded by the Lights is probably the best scene of actual, like an actual scene that they've done where you think this is actually good. Yeah. Obviously, those two walking alongside each other, well, separate scenes, but yeah. blinded by the lights well, playing is well used. It's stay positive as uh, she's hanging herself. Yeah, that's rough, isn't it? Christ. <laughs> Fucking hell. You've got Pow, the 2004 by Lethal Bizzle, to really uh, let you know how old this was. Then heard the audience. It is like you couldn't have a soundtrack to sum up the yeah. like British culture in the film, like particularly the fact they've used Dizzy Rascal, a bit of everyone. And it's so like using the likes of Skinny Man, Dizzy Rascal, it quite literally does pin it to being of this time. Like it's not just a British film, it is like a British two thousand and four film in the time. Sure. Murder by Kalashnikov should be Including in far more films. I'm spot- blinded by the lights should probably be included in more as well. Um, Pretty much any drug scene you can use that with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, text Keenan in the week saying, How did he not find the baggie with his hand in my shoe? <laughs> yeah. so, I've done that with you about, um, about Simone. And they're like, Fuck Simone. Sorry, Dan's kissing Simone. Oh, I'm fucked and I don't care. <laughs> Just keep telling people it's Ramo in the main room. They're like, what are you talking, what are you <laughs> I talking do, about? I <laughs> do generally love that. Ramo in the main room. What do I get on? These taste like hairspray. Fuck it, take three if I need to. Down about how things are going. Fuck it, it's the tune coming in. It's the perfect drug song. Is There's literally, I keep checking, there's like a handful of tickets for the streets left on Ticketmaster, and I'm just counting down to pay there, hoping they'll still be there. A Friday night in Brum. Oh, blimey. After, me and Keenan did go and see them, but a bit disappointing having to sit down because the standing tickets were. uh, And as you would expect, Mike Skinner was off his fucking tits. (laughs) 
this yeah. is why I need to see him again. Yeah, yeah. They just come back. This is when they felt like just did the reunion. Yeah. Oh, mate, he was. We saw him in Brixton. Yeah, he yeah, did, did. A, he did a DJ set down in Plymouth like years ago, and it was so fucked up that he just got booed off because he just couldn't. He couldn't get through it. <laughs> so he got off. He just disgraced himself. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a pod evening. Uh, seeing seeing the streets, little Irish hotel job. Nice. Anyway, let's get to the judging before uh, we uh, call it a night. Um, all right. Probably easier if I ask if anyone's picked kid or hood for any of these rather than some <laughs> way down for each of them. Uh, uh, I actually haven't got it down for any of them. Not even soundtrack. God no. Well, we can all say what our favourite scene and quote is, though, can't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, has anyone picked Kidlehood for preference or rewatchability? No. No. Sean, what was your favourite scene apart from Mark taking uh, Becky upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my favourite scene is... Did you actually want my favourite scene from Kidlehood? Well, from both films. I mean, from both films, it, it is Goodfellas, um, and oh, it's tough because there's a few it could be. I'll, I'll go for the introduction scene though, when you get introduced to all the different people, and you know we've touched on the nicknames. Uh, I think that's my favourite scene. Nice pick, Skids. Um, Keenan, what's your favourite scene? Oh, I just can't pick one. <laughs> I do not, I'm not even banner, I'm not even bannering so you can have you can have the opening scene you can have the first time they're in the bamboo lounge when he hits when he hits Sonny with a glass um, the bat's murder scene when he's in prison the late when Layla kicks in and they go through the deaths of Lufthansa courtroom scene at the end I know it's brief but I do love always have done so just the whole film no. <laughs> yeah pretty much you tell you you can pick one Mm. Uh, mine is uh, Henry Pistol Whipping Bruce. Um, TK? That seems a wild choice. It's a good scene, but that does seem a wild choice. Uh, it's between Bats and Funny How. I'm going to go with Bats. There are a lot of similarities of you two. I think you um, can pull off the Bats grey hair as well as the, the Tash as well. So that's something I, I to look forward to. Much, I don't have much choice about that. Something <laughs> to look forward honest. to for you. Yeah, yeah. I did say I'll be a Silver Fox. Um, is it worth me asking your best quote, Keenan? No. No. TK? Go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> Sean, will you admit it's one dog goes one way, one dog goes the other way, and it's first there. What do you want from me? No. Um, <laughs> there is so many. Like It could be the, the... Well, one we haven't mentioned. This isn't my favourite one, but I just thought we haven't mentioned it. One that I quite like is when he talks about Paulie, where he's like, Paulie might have moved slow, but it was only because Paulie didn't have to move for anybody. I quite like that quote. Oh. Um, nice. But I think I'll, you know, I'll, I'll probably go for the the classic as, as far back as I can remember. I always wanted to be a gangster. So that's what I'll go for, probably. I did have uh, down, actually, um, Henry narrating about Paulie, and I thought that's what you were going to say uh, then, Sean. Now the yeah. guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bird, fuck you, pay me. Pay me. Oh, you had a fire? <laughs> fuck you, pay fuck me. Fuck you, pay me. Please <laughs> hit by lightning there. Fuck you, pay me. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and when you can't borrow when you can't borrow another buck from the bank, you light the place out. <laughs> when Sean uses my Amazon Prime, fuck you, pay me. If <laughs> <laughs> you've been firing out to shoot, by the way. I I've never once this is the I've thing. never once had this offer. Every week he's watching have, me slap about on Amazon offer, Prime. You have had this offer for Apocalypse, so don't don't be, be dis, don't be disrespectful now. I've got no memory of this. After I paid for Apocalypse, I texted you saying, I've paid for it. Do you want to see it on there? I actually asked you for the Raid 2 as well. Um, yeah, I, I used it for the Raid 2. Uh, yeah, oh. and then I didn't then say you could keep hold of my login and use it after. You watched the grey on there. No, I didn't, man. What no, a I dead didn't. film to watch we, as well. We know Keenan didn't. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Honestly, they've got thousands of titles and Shoot has chosen the grey. And Keenan, outrageous. He's, he's, he's banged to rights here because it literally has the little thing along the bottom where it shows how much you've watched. Yeah. I've not rewatched watched the grey. No, it's so, not banged to rights because you have to pay for it to watch on it. No, you don't. It's on Amazon Prime. I had to pay for it, man. <laughs> oh, so you pay for the grey. Even worse. <laughs> Fucking out charging Byron's oh, no, bank actually, card. No, no that, that, that is wrong. I had to pay for Quiet Place 2. Yeah, you watch the grey. Come on, what's right is right. I don't know where you're <laughs> wriggling out of this. You're wriggling. No, because I started watching it and then realised... You didn't like, start. You finished it. It tells me the whole film to watch. <laughs> I didn't watch it on Look, yours. In for a penny at this stage. Look, you started watching it. You ended watching it. You insulted, you insulted him a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, no, you insulted him a little bit. It's like when Harper said, can I use your now TV just to watch one film for the pod this week? Yeah, no problem. Give you in the details. I go back in and someone else is using it. Not only that, my watch list has had things moved on there. That was... Oh, that's outrageous behaviour. And then, and then, I do the thing and I'm like, right, whoever this is, they're about to get booted off. So, I did it. And he messages me saying, I was just using your now TV, mate. Can you let me back in? I'm halfway through Primal Fear. Hate <laughs> <laughs> Fear, actually. No, you can't. The one that was on my watch list, and now you've got it halfway through. It's moved out of place. <laughs> I, have my, I have my own Amazon Prime. That's the, that's the thing. Oh, so you use mine for the sake of it. <laughs> yeah. Mix it up a bit. Before, I, couldn't, I, I, I stopped giving my details out when I couldn't get on my own Netflix. Um, I knew that my brother was using it, which I had no issue with. And this was back when you could have two people on, but not three. There's this big mystery trying to track down who had it. It was a um, person we know whose name rhymes with Waft. His <laughs> mum was downstairs watching Luther. Yes, I did. He had to say, do you mind if she finishes the episode? I suppose not. But you could have let her finish the episode, Jesus. I did. You could have let her finish the episode. Just very disrespectful. Um, <laughs> I have to chase Sean up every month just for now TV. Oh, I pay you, I pay you now TV fee. I had to bring it up yesterday and we're 14 days into the month. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Sean's running a 30 day party pay cycle, mate. Hey, as long as it's paid in the month, it's paid in the month. Like a credit card. I feel like I own your credit card. I don't have the credit for it. <laughs> you certainly don't get the credit for it, I know. So, Keenan, who's the MVP? Henry Hill. TK? Yeah, no, reflection of this film that you, I could give you a different answer of any of the main three at any time. Uh, but I, I will agree with Keenan on this, I think. 
Emery Hill does. It brings it all together. He's, he's the main man. Other than Mark, Sean? <laughs> yeah, big, big, uh, big Henry. I've probably gone for uh, Paulie if uh, he didn't get locked up at the end, so it's probably have to have to be Henry. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, Sean, best side character? Uh, my character. I mean, does Bats count as a side character? Uh, at this stage, when we've got the winner, we don't need to be here too long. We can just yeah, be, just, I mean, just the name out there. Probably, I'd probably go for him, or you know, I guess you could give it to Karen. Um, actually, uh, probably give it um, Paul. You going with uh, Sandy Keener? <laughs> no, funnily enough, no. Uh, my favourite is Paulie, but I think the answer should actually be Karen. TK. Yeah, if we're if we're regarding Karen as a side character, it's got to be her. I think. It's not actually. It's not, on, it's not on that screen though. She's in in. No. Like, um, in like a lot of like, if you think a lot of us, a lot of uh, appearances after the first few are like a little minute here, a minute there. A bit more sporadic, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Stick with you. Shout out to my guy Carbone. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie Carbone. Frankie Carbone. Yeah. 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 One name as well. That is a great. Right, also, the, the thing about that is, law to a fault, Big Frank. Right? He's there. He's there for the murder of Maury. <laughs> he's he's chopping up bodies for you. Four weeks later, you've got him in the ice truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's putting in work on the regular. It was a one-sided yeah, relationship, that wasn't it? Yeah, he's putting in work <laughs> regularly for you. Can't be trusted. TK, mm, yeah, that broad, that broad custom. If the two gangs went to war, which one comes out on top? <laughs> oh, the one, the think, one with guns that work. Yeah, I think the good fellas might take the Game Boy off them. You know, it is More an incredible thing. Now, I imagine it. Imagining Joe Pesci's face as he's going, hey, you're my side. It's a big voice. At least Jay backs his boys more than uh, those good fellas do. That's true. When the chips are down, they didn't do a very good job of it, but... <laughs> um, Keenan, which of the two sets of gangs are better dressed? <laughs> Not not the ones wearing school uniform. <laughs> they might have tracksuits though. Actually, it's, it's a little box fresh they've got. Uh, in Canada, Leo, it was, Leo, if you're going, Leo has got an absolute world even had a tracksuit in the prison scene. He has. So he does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, best soundtrack. You know Excuse me? Originality, <laughs> Keenan. So, let's go back one. Yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not that though, is it? I'll tell you all over that man is can we be sweethearts? Yeah. yeah incredible. Playing FIFA. <laughs> then he then he kissed me as an absolute banger. Give me a shout as that as that as that comes in as you meet uh, as you meet Jimmy. Yeah. Does um fake Bobby Vinton make the Rex Ryan? She says uh, but even Bobby Vinton gave us a bottle of champagne. No. No. But that is a hell of a song. Roses are mm. red, my love. Yeah, it's fine. Violets are blue. Thought Sean was going to carry on. <laughs> Sugar is sweet, my love. But not as sweet as you. 
Mate, we've been doing this for almost this three hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to have that's been, this... been waiting for Sean Sodd's character. <laughs> it's just, we're touching two hours 55. Well, I don't need you singing, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think well, I think we know who wins this, so we don't even really need to do the other categories. Um, it's mathematically impossible for Kilton to win. It's only got soundtrack on the board. It does. Um, <laughs> he just, just put it down there. There it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, Goodfellas goes through to the next round. Um, there, so there will be another podcast just discussing Goodfellas down the line. So uh, we'll have to find something to talk about when we get there. Will this be um, the first? I don't feel like have we ever had like a full whitewash. This is the yeah. first full whitewash. No, not. Is it not? Man on fire got whitewashed. Um, Oh my mm. god, we're fucking terrible people. Yeah. What do you get whitewashed We've had multiple whitewashes. Uh, Including drawers, though, didn't they? I always thought there was a one or. Or a drawer as well. No, um, Back to the Future whitewashed the mummy as well. That's fair enough. Yeah, That's fair enough. No, Is there not an argument Kyoto could have originality? That could be close. I was going to say, I was actually, that I have, that is the one I have Kyoto down for. I've mm. got it on originality. There you go. And they, these aren't technically uh, tournament matchups yet, so they don't count in the same way. What these is are it doing? Why aren't these tournament matchups? I don't really get it. Why They're aren't these preliminary tour- rounds. To, to, if you're if you you're here, Sean, you don't understand the format. <laughs> yeah. You win, you win your matchup, and then you get entered into the bracket. Right. Okay. Got it. So currently, we have. Uh, surely, this will be the... surely, Goodfellas should have already been in there, not in a preliminary matchup. Why does it have to go for everyone. a bug round? We weren't everyone. doing. We weren't doing a top seed. Oh, okay. So it joins uh, Wolf of Wall Street, The Raid 2, 30 Minutes or Less, and Jackie Brown. So are we going through every film until we get the actual... Uh-huh. Sure. There's a lot of preliminary rounds, isn't there? Yes, there are. 64 like, of them. It's like the FA Cup. Yeah. Oh, Christ. All right. And technically, Sean, it's actually just one round of preliminary matchups. Oh, yeah. Of preliminary rounds. There's a lot of matches in the preliminary round. Yeah. And I'll tell you now. Next week is Dirty Harry up against End of Watch. I can tell you already now, Keenan, Sean isn't there next week. Um, he's calling it his birthday week, so he's unavailable. <laughs> birthday week? Is he, is, he turning, <laughs> is he turning 18? That's a genuine quote as well. Is he a bird? Well, no. no you <laughs> right, like... admit, you've misquoted it a little bit there. No, I haven't. I've you on the pod next week as well. You said, that's my birthday week. Again, the way you're phrasing it. The way you're phrasing it. Sean, Sean, this is a genuine question. It's the week. It's the week of my birthday. Was the the podcast next week? Because I've got family stuff on. So what? What family stuff you doing next Thursday night? (laughs) Next Thursday night, we're going out for a meal with um, stepdad and sisters. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. I don't know why you're lying about these things. Because <laughs> it makes no sense. You put it on him. He didn't like it. What do you mean? Because yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> one bit. I'm from a I'm from a broken home. So Wednesday, I see the dad's side for the family. What a fucking sympathy card that is. Thursday, yeah. he's poor that one. The mum's side. Birthday week, pathetic. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Sean won't be on the podcast the week after either because he's too scared to watch a Halloween film. So it's going to be next two weeks without <laughs> Sean on because he's a <laughs> sure. 
Sean actually gets a lot of respect for the sack, so I'm not looking forward to it either. <laughs> <laughs> you said slashes are fine, as long as it's not ghouls. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, but I, said, I might not be looking forward to it. I don't know what you've I'm picked. Glad, uh, I'm we glad I missed the next week. We decided together, guys. Halloween. Ke- oh, did we? Yeah. Keenan, have, have you watched End of Watch before? Time to yeah. go. Oh, God. That's, that's 